everybody, Angela Bowen here, the host of Looking Back at My Wonder Years, a Wonder Years podcast. Well, today, because it's June and because Father's Day is this month, I'm like, you know what? I want to cover Mrs. Doubtfire. Not only because Robin Williams was such a great actor and comedian, but because I love this movie. I remember seeing it in the theater when it came out back in 1993, and I've seen it quite a few times since then. So today for this episode, we're honoring fathers and, of course, the late Robin Williams. Uh, one thing I do want to let you know is that I do have the window open down here right now, and occasionally cars do go down this road, and you're gonna maybe get a smidge of interference, especially when people, like, gun their engines or they're revving their motorcycles, and it's just like, uh, I know, it's like May, the weather's nice, people want to get their bikes out, but why rev the engines? Why? Alright, for those of you that are not familiar with Mrs. Doubtfire, it came out in 1993, starred Robin Williams, Sally Field, Pierce Bronston, Harvey Firestein, Polly Holiday, who you all may remember if you've seen Gremlins, she played Mrs. Deagle, Mrs. Deagle, <laughs> she also played um, Rose's blind sister, Lily, and I think it was like the first or second season of The Golden Girls. I'm trying to think, who else, what else has this lady been in? Because she's been in a lot of things, but she just plays a neighbor here. We got Lisa, I'm most likely going to mispronounce her last name, Jacob, Jacob, playing Lydia Hillard, um, the eldest Hillard child. We have Matthew Lawrence of uh, Brotherly Love, Boy Meets World. Did any of you catch Brotherly Love with the Lawrence brothers, Joey, Matt, and Andy? Such a good show. It was only on for like one or two seasons, but it was so good. We have Mara Wilson playing young Natalie Hillard. And, of course, you may remember her from this movie. She was in Matilda. She was in the remake of Miracle on 34th Street, Thomas the Magic Railroad? What in the world is this? Bojack Horseman. So, yeah, she's been in quite a, a simple wish with Martin Short. Okay, good for her. That's great. This movie, of course, was directed by Chris Columbus. He directed the first two Harry Potter movies. Let's see, what else? He, he This man has directed so many... Ooh, he's got like seven projects coming up. Last thing he directed was Pixels in 2015, which I've never seen. Adventures in Babysitting, Heartbreak Hotel, Home Alone, Only the Lonely, Home Alone 2, Mrs. Doubtfire, Nine Months, Stepmom, Bicentennial Man, also with Robin Williams, The First Two Harry Potters, Rent in 05, I Love You, Beth Cooper, Ugh. Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief, <laughs> horrible. I'm looking forward to what Disney Plus can do with this adaption, turning it into a series. Uh, the second one, I can see he didn't touch the second one. That was utter garbage. Christmas Chronicles 2, House of Secrets, Melody, Five Nights at Fre What is that? Five Nights at Freddy's. What's that about? 
I've, like, seen freaky nightmare, like, teddy bear-looking thing with a top hat and a bow tie and the teeth and the glowing eye. What's, what's that about? That's, um, is it a theme attraction somewhere? Is it a book? A, what, what, I don't know what that is. All right, so, now i got to go. My fingers are a little too fast for me. <laughs> there we go. Okay, so. Synopsis. According to IMDb, after a bitter divorce, an actor disguises himself as a female housekeeper to spend time with his children, held in custody by his former wife. This has got a 7.0 out of 10, based on 236,111 ratings. Let's see if there's a... Uh, Robert Prosky plays Mr. Lundy. You probably remember him from Last Action Hero. Um, if you want to go even farther back, <laughs> he played um, Darnell in the movie Christine about the car that goes around killing people. Uh, Stephen King book. Yeah. He's just... <laughs> oh, here we go. Anne Haney. Oh, liar, liar. She's like one of those one-bit characters that is just kind of in a bunch of movies. She's been in a lot of things. Sadly, she did pass away. Um, Charmed, Boy Meets World in 1999, Out of Towners, Force of Nature, Psych. She was in Psycho from 98. Oh, with Vince Vaughn, yeah. Um, let's see what else she been doing. Da -ba 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 -ba. Liar, liar. Something called Mother. I'm just trying to see if there's anything that I would know her from other than Liar Liar. So Doubtfire. I'm trying to remember. I don't even. When I saw her in that, I'm trying to see if there's anything. I'm like, oh, I know that lady. But I'm not really seeing anything else. But she is one of those actors and actresses where you're like, oh, I know that person. They're from like 10 other things I've seen. So, yeah, uh, let's see. No one else is ringing any bells as far as who in the world is that? Oh, great. <laughs> All right, here we go. Let's see. I want to get into some trivia. But let's see the release. Oh, guys, this is a holiday film. It dropped on November 24th, 1993. So then odds are... I didn't see this movie till 94 because my grandma normally took me to the dollar theater or dollar 99 theater that movies have, that have been out for like four months and were practically on VHS by the time I saw them at this theater. Right. Oh, they actually did film at something called Steiner Street. All right. Budget... Budget twenty five million opening weekend twenty mil gross two hundred and nineteen million one hundred ninety five thousand two hundred forty three worldwide four hundred and forty one million two hundred eighty six thousand one hundred ninety five cool 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 that's awesome we got any taglines sometimes they do have taglines. Um, I'm not seeing any taglines here. Oh, here we go. She will rock your world. What? That's a tagline? Here we go. 
She makes dinner. She does windows. She reads bedtime stories. She's a blessing in disguise. Ooh. According to one biography, Robin Williams decided to test out the believability of his Mrs. Doubtfire character during filming by going as Mrs. Doubtfire into an adult bookstore and making a purchase. He was able to do so without being recognized. Yeah, if you didn't see, if you didn't know Robin Williams was Mrs. Doubtfire, you can't tell because the make it's everything. The costume is so legit real. Robin Williams is, oh, I didn't know he had a son, um, did not recognize him in his Mrs. Doubtfire outfit until he started speaking. So you know the scene, if you've seen the movie, where Robin Williams sticks his face in a pie, he's like, hello! Um, turns out that was actually <laughs> improvised by Robin Williams because, um, the icing, okay, was not intentional. The heat from the set lights melted the icing on his face. And Robin Williams improvised the bulk of that scene. Yes, yes, yes. According to director Chris Columbus, Robin Williams improvised so much that there were PG, PG-13R, and N-17 edits of the film, though always intended to be released as PG-13. Would you want to see a cut of this film that is rated R or even NC-17? I'm like, I don't know if I want to go that far. R, I wouldn't mind it. Oh, remember how I said that he dressed up as Mrs. Doubtfire and went to an adult bookstore, or adult store? You want to know what he bought? He bought, he visited a sex shop to buy a large dildo and other toys. Wow. Alright, so this will be the last bit of trivia, piece of trivia I do for, and then we'll kind of get to the movie. The makeup of Mrs. Doubtfire took about four and a half hours each day. Oh boy, wow, that is, that's a lot. Can you imagine sitting in a chair for four and a half hours while prosthetics and makeup and a mask is being put over your face? Not the mask that we're currently wearing in today's society, but, like, um, just, you know what I mean. So... <laughs> Yeah, I pretty, my memory with this is I saw it in the theater, I cried at the end, I, even at like 11 and a half, I felt for Robin Williams' character, and I really, I didn't like, actually, if you want to listen to an amazingly, not that this isn't going to be amazing, I promise it will be, um, a great movie podcast that has covered Mrs. Doubtfire, Hey, Do You Remember?, Hosted by Carlo, uh, hosted by Chris, Carlos, and Donna. I've been listening to them since like maybe 2015, and they are just hands down so hilarious. That is my top movie review podcast. Is Hey, do you remember? And it's funny because all the hosts are like my exact age, if not one is like a year younger. But and I'd already seen Sally Field and Steel Magnolias by this time, too. As far as my reference for Robin Williams, um, even though he only provided the voice of the genie, I'm trying to think. Where's my head? Hook would have been my first experience with Robin Williams. Because that came out in 1991. Even though I think I got it for my 10th birthday. But yeah, that would have been my first, and then it would have been Mrs. Doubtfire. Uh, Jumanji in 95. Let's see. I, let's see here. I didn't, I'm not a 
big fan of Flubber. I thought it was okay. I didn't watch all of it. Goodwill Hunting is another one. Awakenings I would have seen, like, I think after high school. Patch Adams was, I never saw What Dreams May Come, but I hear it's very, very good. Uh, Patch Adams was good as well. My Centennial Man. One Hour Photo freaked me the fuck out. Just, ugh. Did not like his character in that one. Never saw Insomnia. And that's uh, RV. The Night Listener was one I saw in the theater. RV was pretty good. Never saw Man of the Year. Happy Feet was okay. Um, when they started singing covers, I was really irritated because I was hoping for, like, original material. Night of the Museum, I didn't see till much later. August Rush. August Rush is such an underrated film. I really, really like it. Let's, um, Old Dogs was another one that was cute. And I think that's the majority of his movies that I'd seen. So, alright guys, real quick, I want to let you know, if you're just jumping on board listening to this episode, the first episode, that, excuse me, if this is the first time you're listening to this podcast, maybe this is the first episode, I want to let you know where you can find the podcast on social media. You can find it on Facebook at Looking Back on My Wonder Years, a Wonder Years podcast, or Instagram at LBOM Wonder Years Podcast. Also, I've covered all six seasons of The Wonder Years, which is what this podcast was originally made for. But now that I've, it's almost been two years, in the fall it'll be two years since I finished covering The Wonder Years, and I've been kind of doing other things. You know, uh, other shows, Mr. Belvedere, Small Wonder, currently working on that one, uh, Full House, I've been working on Full House slash Fuller House for a year, Growing Pains is an, another show that I've been doing an episode a month, just like Small Wonder, um, yeah, so, alright, also, where you can listen to the podcast, you got Apple Podcasts, you got your SoundCloud, Podbean. Um, it's unfortunately, it's not on Spotify. Um, I hear a lot of other podcasts have kind of switched over to Anchor, but I'm kind of undecided about that. So, all right, without further ado, let's jump into this episode. So we start the movie in what looks like it could be a film studio. It's got a giant screen. It almost, and it's got like red curtains on either side of the screen. So it makes me think it's like in a theater. And Robin Williams is providing the voice. It looks kind of like a Looney Tunes cartoon, only not. But it does have a bird and a cat in it. And Robin Williams actually does pro- is providing the voice. He's doing voice work right now. And he is providing voice for not only the bird, but also the cat as well. He's singing, what's it called, Figaro, 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 Figaro? I love that cat from Pinocchio. It's so adorable. Well, it's a kitten, actually. It's not a cat cat. It's a kitten. Yeah, this is set up just like, I'm kind of wondering what this footage is. Isn't it from some form of, maybe not Looney Tunes, but maybe the same company even? Because it's got the same setup. Bird in a cage. A giant cat. And a old grandma lady that reminds me of Granny from the Looney Tunes. She's wearing, like, headphones, so... And she's knitting, so she's, like, tuned out to the world. She has no idea what's going on. Wow! Um, I remember this from the many times I've seen this movie. 
The cat gets the bird, ties it up. The cat's now wearing a chef's hat. And he pops this ginormous, bigger than even for a human, cigarette into this bird's beak. It's like, just pops it right in there. It's like, my gosh. And I'm trying to remember, in all the Looney Tunes episodes I've seen, I don't remember the animals smoking cigarettes. There is, however, a Tiny Tunes episode where Buster, um, uh, Plucky, and Hampton get drunk and drive a car off a bridge. I know they get drunk. That much I remember. But it's like one of those band cartoons that I think if you look hard enough on YouTube, you might be able to find it. So clearly... Robin Williams' character, Daniel, is just like, I am not okay with promoting cartoons, or voicing a cartoon that promotes smoking to children. Which, this is 1993. This is, I think at the time with kids, I think smoking was kind of a bit, that and maybe drinking, whereas now there's like a plethora of things that kids can get access to. And not only do they get access to it nowadays, but they'll film themselves doing this stuff and pr putting it on like YouTube, like the Tide Pod Challenge, or snorting a condom up your nose, or lighting yourself on fire. Luckily, kids of the 90s weren't doing stuff like that. But anyway, I'm not like harping on children of today. But Daniel's not about it, and he just starts kind of going off script and just doing his own thing. Like, no, I don't want to get big cancer, and all this stuff. And the other guys that are running the film and everything, they're just kind of side-eyeing each other. Like, oh, here we go again. Apparently, he's done this before. And they're like, this is it. Either you go based on what the script says, or you can go out the exit door and file for unemployment or look for another job, because I'm not doing this. We're not doing this anymore. And I love how Daniel sticks up for himself. He takes off the headphones. He's like, hold on, I've got to do what I've got to do. comment on the situation. What situation? The fact that Pudgy the Parrot has a cigarette shoved into his mouth is morally irresponsible. This is a cartoon, okay? This is not a friggin' Oprah Winfrey special. Lou, millions of kids see this cartoon. It's like sending each one of them a packet of cigarettes and saying, light up. You can't put words in Pudgy's mouth if his mouth isn't moving. What's well, voiceover? It's an interior monologue. Maybe even the voice of God. That's even better. <laughs> don't, Pudgy, don't smoke. Actors. <laughs> what? Well, let's ask the technicians. Do you think it's morally right to promote smoking to the youth of America? Oh, they're all smoking. Ugh. They're biased. That's a mistrial. Daniel, listen to me. <laughs> this session is costing the studio thousands of dollars. Now, if you want a paycheck, you stick to the script. If you want to play Gandhi, then do it on somebody else's time. <laughs> then I've got to do what I've got to do. That's very funny. Where the hell are you going? Mm -hmm. Hey, listen, buddy, I'll tell you something. If you leave, 
You're not coming back in. I'm not taking any crap from you, pal. <laughs> well, in the words of Porky Pig, piss off, Lou. I applaud you, Daniel. Stick it to the man. Yeah, I mean, clearly the cartoon has never been an issue up till now when they decide to promote cigarette smoking to children. And, of course, Daniel's going to take a stand. It's like, he's got kids of his own. Like, I won't want my youngest, my five-year-old daughter watching this and thinking, oh, it's cool to smoke because the bird's doing it. So he's like, well, then I've got to do what I've got to do. I had no idea that was the, that was Gandhi's. But then again, the guy's like, hey, this isn't a situation. This is not an Oprah, Oprah Winfrey special either. You need to stick to the script. If you want to play Gandhi, do it on someone. Because he says that it's costing thousands of dollars for that studio time. So Daniel's like, fine. I'm, I'm done. Piss off, Lou. Because he even asked, like, the technicians, like, oh, do you think it's morally right to play a cartoon that promotes smoking to children? And all three of the technicians are just living, sitting in a cloud of their own cigarette smoke that's just hovering. It's like a bubble encasing their head of, of, of cigarette smoke. So, yeah, he quit. So, okay. Now, if he got fired, he could collect unemployment. But since he quit, unfortunately, that isn't going to help him. It's amazing just watching this because now he's going to pick up his kids since he's got the afternoon free. Why not surprise the kids? And his son, Chris, who's 12 today, well, not today, today, but in 93, uh, is having a birthday. So he's like, yeah, I'm going to surprise the kids. It's going to be great. Of course, Lydia's the oldest, so she can, she can kind of see, like, oh, why aren't you, you should be at work. She figures, like, he got fired. Like, he's like, uh, no, they didn't fire me. I didn't give them the satisfaction. I quit. Like, he left on his own terms, so good for Daniel. But I'm just looking at this in 1993. I was right around Chris's age. I was, you know, 11 going on 12. And just seeing how vastly different the world is. And I'm not just talking about the situation that the world's in now. But I just mean, meant, like, overall, just how things are done. He's going to pick up his his kids in the at school. I guess people just park on the street. Whereas, I guess, nowadays at schools, they have, like, a pickup line that you're supposed to get into. So we see Lydia, Chris, and Natty. I don't even think she gets called Natalie hardly at all. So Lydia, of course, being the older sibling, like, hey, Chris, how do you do on the history test? And he's like, ugh, don't ask. And she's like, hey, Natty, what do you do in school? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I painted a picture of a rainbow. And uh, this is so cute. I love how he does, like, a little, like, whistle bird call or something. Because the kids are waiting in line to get on the bus. And they all just turn and it's like their faces just light up with with smiles. And it's just so cute. You see Nanny just running to her her dad and it's just so adorable. Oh. 
Um, I thought you couldn't pick us up. Well, I got over <laughs> You mean you got fired? No, I quit. For reasons of conscience. Actors. Hey, dude. Congratulations on your 12th birthday. All right. Got a surprise for you. Two strippers? Two strippers? Ah, boy. Party? Yes. No. Yes. No parties. Mom said you couldn't have one because you were a poor card. Mom's not going to be home for another four hours, is she? <laughs> Prepare yourself for the wild king. Hmm? Daniel looks like he would be the coolest because he's like a big kid himself. You know what this reminds me of, right? Joey Gladstone from Full House. Now, Dave Coulier, of course, you know, was torched, you know, our blessed Robin Williams. But he's funny in his own right. But it's just, it's that same, like, big kid, like, atmosphere. So, of course, Lydia... She is definitely the motherly role as far as when Miranda's not there, then Lydia kind of takes over. Just, like, she's the, the moral compass, if you will, of the three kids. Like, I gotta look out for my younger siblings. And it almost feels like she's parenting her father in a way, too. Like, kind of keeping his big kid level, like, just... At, but you don't want it to get a little, but <laughs> he's like, why are you here so early? And he's like, oh, yeah, I had the afternoon off. And she's like, oh, you got fired. He's like, no, I quit because I have a good conscience. And I just love, and it's funny with the subtitles I'm watching this, it'll say, like, who he's imitating. And some of these, I'm like, I had no idea. Like the one with Gandhi, which I guess makes sense because guys, like, if you want to play Gandhi, do it on your own time. But he, like, imitates a surfer. It's like, hey, dude, congratulations on your 12th birthday, man. <laughs> He's like, hey, I got a surprise for you. And Chris, of course, I knew what a stripper was when I was 11. I'd heard of... <laughs> He's like, oh, <laughs> you got me a stripper? <laughs> and he's like, uh, no. <laughs> he's like, oh, two strippers? He's like, oh, boy, no, 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 no. <laughs> And it's like, no, party. And, of course, Lydia playing, like, the mom figure here in a way. It's like, no, no party. Mom said you couldn't have them because of your report card. And I love, and it says here that he's imitating Robin Williams. He's like, mom's not going to be home for another four hours. And he turns to, because he's got Natty, you know, he's holding on to her. He turns to her and says, Prepare yourself for wild kingdom. <laughs> I, I can't do the I can't do the hiss like he did, but he did really everything this man does is like pure gold. And of course, even <laughs> even Lydia's got a smirk like, oh yeah, you got me there. Mom's not gonna be home for another four hours. Okay. I concede. <laughs> and it's a mobile petting zoo that he brings up. Oh, that's pretty cool. Oh, it's Bob's mobile petting zoo. I want to look up and see if they have anything like that. So it definitely looks like that is something that still very much exists today, a mobile petting zoo. Which is like, hey, if you can't get to the zoo, we will bring the zoo to you. You just call, we'll make the arrangements, I'll show up at your door with a donkey, with a baby horse, 
or what are those, what are they called? Shetland ponies, right? They're the little miniatures. Um, you know, goats, other animals, ducks. Let's take a look and see what these animals are. I, they got quite a few. We got chickens. We got a Shetland pony. We got ducks. And what is that thing over there? I think that's a baby cow being fed. Got a man in a cowboy hat. Oh, there's more than one pony. Okay, because we got Mara Wilson. We got um, Natty. She's up on the horse. And of course, Daniel's got to play the part. He's also got to wear a cowboy hat too, which is cool. Lydia's feeding a baby cow, a calf. Oh, it's, she's feeding him a baby bottle. That's adorable. I want to feed a calf. I think I, I did actually. I visited a farm when I was really, really little. And it's like, look, the cows, they have like the wettest noses. Unlike a horse who's got the softest velvety nose. Just oh, so soft. Oh my gosh, look at this. Chris is feeding a, a little lamb. Oh, and there's another one right there. And this other kid, uh, I'm guessing they're friends of Chris's, uh, holding goats too. This is so cool. You think at like 12 years old, 13, those boys are like, uh, I'm too cool to hold a, a goat or a little baby lamb. But it's like, no, they're hanging. It's it's cool. <laughs> Chris just sprayed that sheep in the face with a baby bottle, milk for a formula from a baby bottle. That's a, <laughs> thing's like, what's going on here? I didn't agree to this. <laughs> oh boy, here we go. We got a black and white spot. It's black with white spots all over it, like um, an opposite of a Dalmatian. It's a goat. And of course, it's eating the neighbor's flowers that are Right by the... It's like, okay, I get it. You want to have a zoo party? That's awesome. But when it starts affecting your neighbors, that's where you got to pull the plug and say, look, you want to have the animals? Great, but keep them within the range of your place. It doesn't need to be wandering over to the neighbor right next door. There's even a chicken on this lady's window. Yeah, animals don't understand what it means to be contained if they're just let out to wander the sidewalk. Luckily, none of those animals got hit by a car. Oh, there is a donkey. I'm like, oh yeah, this woman's like, oh my gosh, my flowers, get out, get out. There's a bunny rabbit. There is a white bunny rabbit. Of course they're going to go for the garden because that's what they eat, greens. He's like trying to like shoo it, this rabbit out of the garden with a broom. <laughs> it just hops right back in there. That's funny. There's a pig? Oh my gosh, there's a pig there too. Oh, and a bunch of like geese and ganders. So of course the neighbor, this is the pain in the butt neighbor. But I mean, I get it. You know, she doesn't want all these farm animals in her garden. She's only allotted so much space to make a little garden and some flowers, you know? The last thing she needs is wild animals and... Well, not wild animals. They're all farm animals. She doesn't want them there eating her stuff. So now she's going to go call up Miranda at work. She probably like, oh, here, let me get your number in case... You know, I'll keep an eye on things because I know your husband, he's like a big kid. So that way, if anything's going on. So she's going to interrupt... 
Sally Field's character, Miranda, who is giving a presentation. I believe she's an interior decorator, isn't she? I think that's what she does. Of course, we uh, find out the neighbor is Gloria Cheney, who calls Miranda's office because apparently she feels it's an emergency with the situation with the petting zoo eating all her flowers. But we see that Miranda is an interior decorator. She's working with a couple clients, showing them different designs that she's worked out. And, of course, I'm guessing this is maybe either her boss or her manager who mentions a Stuart Dunmire, who is going to be played by Pierce Bronston, is working on an old mansion that he's going to turn into like a $500 a night B&B, which is kind of funny. Well, no, um, this was 1993, so I can only imagine how much that would cost nowadays. I mean, if it's 500 a night in 93, I'd say it's probably like a thousand bucks a night, depending on uh, now. But her manager says, hey, Stuart Dunmire got in touch with me. He really likes your work, and he'd like to see about getting in touch with you, setting something up. So it looks like he, he, he actually specifically asked for Miranda. And she, of course, is it almost seems she might be blushing just a little bit, like, oh, Stuart Dunmire. It's like, this is probably, like, the talk of the town type of, in terms of, uh, in, like, either the real estate biz or the interior design biz, the creme de la creme, if you will. So, now it looks like we are going to go back to this birthday party, and it is a rager inside the house. Petting Zoo is... Apparently still there while everyone's having a party in the house. Okay. You know, in case the neighbor kids are so, you know walking down the sidewalk. I'm like, hey, a petting zoo. Cool. Can I ride that pony? Sweet. So yeah, we get back to the party. From the outside of the house, there's still ducks roaming around. There's that donkey. There's one of the ponies. There's, I think, a goat up on the steps of the house. There's now a police officer who's most likely writing a citation. Oh my gosh, there's a chicken right on that window. Oh, that's cute. But you just hear music just pumping out of that house. So Miranda arrives. She's got a big sheet cake in one hand and a bag of gifts in the other. And she's just like, what in the what? I go to work. I come home. The place isn't. What's going on here? So apparently it's illegal, according to this cop, to possess animals of a barnyard nature in a residential area. <laughs> and Miranda's like, what if you're married to one? And apparently, of course, they're also responding to a noise ordinance violation, which you can definitely hear the stereo is just blasting that music. Oh my gosh, there's Mrs. Cheney yakking with the neighbors, complaining, gesturing towards the donkey and the other animals. So Miranda just tells the cop, like, hey, I'm going to make myself be known, like, loud and clear about this. So she's walking up the steps to her house. We see that black and white spotted goat that is just having a time with, <laughs> as Miranda's like, you ain't made begonias. There's even a sheep hanging out that's, like, tied to the doorknob on the porch there. This house is a mess. This streamers, balloons, kids running here and there. Oh, 
are all these kids? Do they invite the entire elementary school or junior high? Yeah, you clearly hear something breaking in the background. Kids jumping up and down on the floor, on the couch. Of course, that pony <laughs> sees that birthday cake, which it's a cool-looking birthday cake. It's got a giant soccer ball and, like, grass, like, fake grass surrounding it. But, of course, the horse doesn't care what the cake looks like. It's going to eat it anyway. Yeah, he must have invited every single kid in his children's classes because this is a house full of, like, 50-plus kids. This is nuts. Get the hell out of my house. <laughs> she shoes that uh, horse away eating Chris's cake, which is... I'm, I wouldn't want that cake after a horse put its mouth on it. Yuck. So kids are hanging out, jumping on the furniture, the chairs, the, the floor in one room, and then you go into the other room, and it's just as bad. But this is where she finds her husband, son, and his friend dancing on top of a coffee table. And both Natty and Lydia are also kind of dancing, and... <laughs> Oh, Daniel. He's like, hey, Miranda, what's up, girlfriend? <laughs> You're home early. We're having a birthday party in the house. Like, uh, first of all, she said you couldn't have one. And two, this goes beyond a birthday party. You have kids that are unattended in a whole other room making a mess. Not to mention how much money went into all these balloons and streamers and the petting zoo and all that. It's insane. Oh, excuse me. It's not a coffee table. It's a dining room table that they got their dirty shoes on. Dancing. I love how Daniel's got his hat, like, sideways. Because it's the 90s. Brenda! What's up? What's Come up? Over, girlfriend. Have a birthday in the house. Don't get mad, honey. <laughs> You're home a little Help us do this together. It's too late for 
you away from work, you're a different person. You really are. <laughs> you're great. Oh, Daniel, our problems would be waiting for us right here when we got back. We'll move. Daniel, please don't joke. Just apart, we're different. We have nothing in common. Oh, sure we do. We love each other. You love each other. On your son's 12th birthday, he's going to remember. Wow. <laughs> I, I just, I feel for Daniel in this moment. I really, really do. I honestly think that she's so pent up with anger and frustration that that just, but let's go back to the beginning. So she <laughs> unplugs the stereo, which is the plug is underneath the pony that Daniel's like, careful, he had, he had a little too much water. And Daniel, the kids kind of, Lydia looks at Chris, and they look at Daniel, and he's like, the party's over, guys. It's like, yeah, she's very angry, which is understandable. She just wanted something low-key, and then, and even she's saying when she's fighting with Daniel, it's like, I brought home a cake and a few gifts. You bring home the whole goddamn San Diego Zoo, I gotta clean up with it, for it, and all that stuff. And she's like, I do something nice and simple, and then you gotta go and do it ten times bigger. It's almost like she's saying, I feel like I'm competing with you for the kids' affections, and I'm always losing, in a way. Just... And it seems like, yeah, she definitely, I mean, they both were, well, until today, because he quit his job, but it just seems like maybe that's been a thing, like, whether he's not agreed with the people he works with, you know, creative differences, and then he, maybe that's kind of a thing for him, and she kind of has to pick up the slack with her job. And you also, while there, Daniel and Miranda are fighting, you just see the reactions of the kids just sitting there on the stairs just listening to their parents fight. Also, this is Chris's 12th birthday. His parents are getting, she announces that she wants a divorce on his birthday. I agree with the Hey Do You Remember podcast when they reviewed this. This kid's going to remember this. He's 12. And he's not yet, but give it a few more years and he's going to be angsty as hell. And Miranda's all like shouting him like, don't you dare make me out to be the monster. I'm like, girl, you do that yourself just with your attitude. I can see why your kids enjoy spending time with their father a lot more than you do. Because if you're working all the time, you come home in a bad attitude and yelling at your kids. No wonder they're going to want to be with their dad. Their dad's a lot nicer Definitely fun, because he's like a big kid himself, but even still, it's like, ugh. Yes, I know there's nothing wrong with having rules and, you know, stuff like that. 
That house looks trash. There's stuff all over the place. So they're basically fighting as Daniel's hold, holding a black garbage bag and she's throwing stuff into it. He's kind of throwing it back in her face with like, hey, you chose the career. That's on you. And she's like, I don't have any choices. And it's like, one of us has got to be the main breadwinner of the family because every, one, every other chance I turn around and look, you're out of a job because you've quit another one because you don't agree with the way that uh, your boss's beliefs or whatever. It's like... Oh, uh, he's telling her, hey, you're spending too much time with those, what's he say, corporate clones that she used to despise. And, of course, she throws back, I spend too much time with you, Daniel, it's over. It's like, whoa, back, pump the brakes. You need to calm down for a hot second, take a breath, and realize what just came out of your mouth. I know that you're angry, but in... The heat of the moment, if you think about it, when we get angry, and not everyone's like this, but you get angry, you're gonna say stuff that you know later you're gonna regret. And it's like, oh, it was in the heat of the moment, I was so frustrated, I just was seeing red, and I just wanted it just to, to be done, just to... And you see, as she just says, it's over, it's over, you see, it's almost like, <clears throat> I was thinking about this. It's almost like a weight has either been lifted off her shoulders or she's like, wow, I didn't mean it to come out like that. Or maybe it's like, wow, I've been wanting to say that for so many. It's just all the... Because she admits that they've had problems for 14 years. So I'm guessing their oldest daughter is at least 14. So they've had problems since the very beginning. And I'm just seeing this lady and this guy... What exactly attracted him to her? Like, what was it? Because he was funny? Because they're polar opposites. And she's even like, can you please not, can you please not joke about this? Because he's like, hey, let's go take a vacation as a family, you know, and, or maybe when we get back, our problems will be fine. And she's like, no, they'd just be waiting for us when we got back. He's like, hey, let's go see a family therapist or something. He, he's, like, trying to do whatever he can possibly think to save his marriage and just, you know, with his kids. He doesn't want that for his kids or himself. And he is just, he is clinging so tightly, trying to hang on to this family unit where she is just ready to just cut ties, just cut everything. Like, it's over, it's over. Like, if I drop Daniel... If we're not together anymore, it's like this big weight of... It's almost like, in her mind, she feels like instead of three kids, she's got four kids. Because Daniel is, you know, a, a big kid. And it's almost like... He doesn't know what she's going to come home to. I think later on, with Mrs. Doubtfire, she does have a conversation about... There were times when I was at work and I just I couldn't focus because I was worried, like, what's going on at home? Are things like completely, you know, in uh, disarray or because, you know, the only one that would really probably try to keep Daniel in line is Lydia. But even she kind of falters on the whole, like, yeah, no, mom's not going to be home for another four hours. So she can eat, be swayed. And I'm just thinking... 
You go from yelling to saying, I want a divorce. You're missing a, a dozen steps. He is desperately trying to save his marriage. And it's, he even is like, like, we, we love each other, don't we? And he is like near tears at this point. He is just like completely, that happy guy you saw like an hour or so ago, gone. And he is just like a broken shell, just like, don't do this, please. We'll, we'll do family therapy or let's go see a therapist. And she's like, no, 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 that's just not going to work. And it's like, she's not even willing to try. I mean, if he's saying, hey, let's see if maybe we can get some other perspe an outside perspective on this and kind of narrow down what the issues are. But she doesn't want that. It's like, I think a, a therapist would help. Because you know the effect that that's going to have on those kids. And when he's like, well, she even says we have nothing in common. I don't have really much in common with my husband either, but we're still married. <laughs> we find things to do together. That's the thing. But she's probably working all the time and he's taking care of the kids. So when do they have time to see each other except for... Yeah. And he's like, when she says we have nothing in common, he's like, well, we love each other, don't we? And you just look at her face and she's almost, it's like she's saying, what do you want me to say here? It's like, you can't even tell your husband that you love him? It's that bad? This guy's hanging off the end of a cliff by his fingernails, waiting for you to like, reach your hand out and pull them back up and you're just saying, no, I can't. It's just, I, I can't do it. It's either divorce or nothing. And her answer to his, we love each other, don't we, is, I want a divorce. <sighs> and stab. In goes the knife. Twist, twist, twist. Like, uh. And you just see the reactions of these kids. They are just heartbroken. Which I can't... All they've ever known is their parents being together. Oh, she has a nerve to even say... She's tearing up at this point saying, I'm so sorry. It's like, don't, don't, don't with your sorries, okay? Just don't. Sorry is gonna erase what you just said. It's over. I want a divorce. So you can take your sorries and stuff them where the sun don't shine. And we're doing a really awesome screenshot here of, I'm guessing, is it, that, that tower, that, that concrete tower looking thing that, remember, if you're a Full House fan, you've seen season eight, Comet's Excellent Adventure, there's this big tower thing with these large, like, concrete window things, and the dog, Comet, the dog was, like, looking out them with this collie dog. And I'm like, you do see that on occasion if you go back in the later, you know, in Full House. I'll always point out, like, there it is. That's where the dog was. I'm sure that... I, I gotta find out what that thing's called. Because I know it's called something. Found it. See, all I put in was San Francisco Concrete Tower, and here it is. It's the Coit Tower, built in 1933. Architect Arthur Brown, Jr. Architectural style, Art Deco. All right, Coit Tower, 210 feet tall. 
Telegraph Hill neighborhood of San Francisco, California. All right. Offering panoramic views over the city and the bay. The tower in the city's Pioneer Park was built between 32 and 33. All right. Cool, cool. Added to the National Register of Historic Places on January 29th, 2008. Oh, it also has murals in there. Oh, that's pretty cool. All right. Now I know what it's called. It's not just a concrete tower. It has an official title. So we see Daniel is staying at his brother Frank's house for a little bit. And, of course, their mother's on the phone. She wants to talk to Daniel. She heard all about it and everything. And you just see Daniel kind of like he's in his bathrobe drinking a cup of coffee. Just, you know, watching, looking out at the view. And he's just kind of doing the, like over the throat like I don't want to talk to her <laughs> and Frank is like well I mean his marriage is ending and Daniel's like hey my marriage is not ending it's just on hiatus so then Daniel's gotta be like the baby brother Frank's gotta be I think Frank has gotta be the older brother cause he is just he's like oh don't worry no we're taking really good care of your little boy don't worry mom and of course um we do have i think his name is jack this is frank's partner and they're in the movie making business or as far as like the costume design and stuff like that and looking at it now having seen the movie it's interesting because we get a couple wigs, like one is kind of a bronzy color and a uh, bronzy honey color, and the other one's like a jet black Cleopatra looking thing. Because I think later on, when they're doing the makeover for Daniel to get the uh, Mrs. Doubtfire uh, look, those I think are two of the wigs that they do put on him. Of course, Frank is telling uh, Evelyn. You know, Daniel and Frank's mom are like, oh, thanks for the jam. And she's talking about the concealer and everything. And Frank is just looking at Jack putting the finishing touches on this uh, mask. And Frank's like, enough already. It's a man. And Jack's like, how would you know? And Frank's like, bitch. Of course, he's still got the phone up to his ear and his mom's like, hey, this is your mother you're talking to. And he's like, oh, no, not you. I'm talking about the dog. <laughs> it's funny because you turn the volume up long, uh, high enough, you do get to hear uh, their mother. And Frank's trying to cut off the conversation. Like, hey, I gotta go. We got people waiting on set. You know, faces to paint, places to go. You know, all that stuff. And I love how <laughs> she's just saying how she wants Daniel to come and stay with her. And he's like, oh, okay, Ma. Okay, I'll ask. Hold on. Um, She wants to know if you want to come and stay with her. And, of course, Daniel's going to look like, no way. No. That's the last thing I want to do. Of course, <laughs> Frank's like, oh, he says he'll think about it, Ma. Like, whatever. <laughs> so Frank's like, hey, look, you know you're welcome to stay here as long as you want, right? And Daniel's like, hey. I know Miranda, this is going to blow over, okay? It's just temporary. No, it's not, because we're going to see them in the courtroom. Yeah, apparently when she said she wanted a divorce, she wanted a divorce. So, luckily for Daniel, I'm guessing when it comes to custody hearings, courts tended to favor the mother, but he's 
looking at Daniel and just thinking, you know, I really don't think it's in the kids' best interest to deny them, obviously, a loving their loving father. So they're going to award, um, I'm guessing, partial custody or just, like, so that way he can see the kids on the weekends or every other weekend. Oh, but since Daniel, you know, he quit his job and he doesn't have a place to live because he can't live, you know, in his home with Miranda. Um, and the court's going to award sole custody to Mrs. Hillard. And eventually, once Daniel does get a job and gets a place to live, they can work on split custody. So apparently Daniel's going to have visitation rights every Saturday. So that's... Basically, it's every Saturday. That's, what, 52 days a year? It's gonna be heartbreaking for a parent. Like, you only get to see your kid once a week? So, apparently, this lawyer, is this one a, a court-appointed attorney? This guy is just... Daniel's like, can't you do something? And the guy's like, oh, well, he's already made his verdict. It's like, what? I'd be, like, pissed. I'm like, what am I paying you for? So, Daniel finally is like, hey, can I... Say something on my own behalf, please. Basically, he gives Daniel three months to get a job, keep it, and find a suitable place to live. In three months, he'll kind of reevaluate, see where everyone's at. And if everything's going great, then Daniel and Miranda can have sole custody of the kids and kind of work out how they want to do things. And he did say that he's appointing a court liaison who you're going to see... Um, Show up to check the apartment, make sure he's working, all that good stuff. This lawyer is a dingus. He's like, oh, I guess there's a little light at the end of our tunnel. And he puts his hand out to shake Daniel's. And Daniel's basically like, fuck off. Like, I'm not hiring you again. This is the last time I will ever speak to you. I can't believe you actually get paid to be a lawyer because you did nothing. Now it's a sad day because Daniel is moving his stuff out. And of course he's got to say his goodbye to the kids. I'm guessing that's Miranda's mother who's watching the kids. So as he's saying goodbye to his kids, Chris of course is going to blame himself. It's like, it's my fault. I should never have had a birthday, Dad. I should never have had that party. If I didn't, none of this would have happened. It's like... That's not true. Something else could have eventually set Miranda off and she, I mean, if it wasn't going to be that day, something else would have triggered that. Clearly, it's been something that she says, we've been trying to work out our problems for 14 years. So any, it could have been anything, whether it was a birthday party or something else, this eventually was going to come to fruition. I like how Daniel tries to get through to Chris just saying, hey, you did nothing wrong. Do you understand me? This is not your fault. None of you guys. Basically, Daniel chalks it up to this was an accident waiting to happen, basically. I love the parting advice he gives to Chris. Like, hey, you're the man of the house now. Don't be messy, okay? <laughs> so, Natty, of course, is like, you can't go now. We're in the middle of Charlotte's Web. Who's gonna do the voices? And Daniel's just, honey, I have to go. And she's like, who's gonna finish it? We're in the middle of Charlotte's Web. And Daniel's like, well, Grandma will finish it for you. Yeah! Just looking at this Grandma, she don't look like she wants to read books to children. So, Natty, of course, is like, she's not as good. 
Would you want her doing the voices? I mean, I look at this lady. We don't get... She doesn't even have a line. But... She just... To me, she looks like someone who probably has a smoker's voice. Oh, and she smells funny, too. Well, the old people do, I guess. It's funny, because when we bought this house, it was actually from an, an older couple. And definitely, it does have... Not as much anymore. You can't really smell it. You know, it's been over ten years here. But there was a lingering older person smell you can if a house has been shut up for a bit and you go into it there is a distinct i don't know what it is but yeah oh daniel's like oh that's the formaldehyde that's why granny's so preserved he clearly can hear her this conversation because we cut to her and she's got this like sour face like, I just sucked on a bad lemon or something like that. Oh, this is so sweet. Him picking up Natty and just hugging her. And saying, oh, it's going to be the same as always. I don't understand what he means. Like, you just have a really big backyard. What does that mean? And of course, Lydia. She's like, I'll miss you. And he's like, ditto. And they hug. It's like, don't worry. Saturday comes real quick. It's going to be all right. So if that's the case, then he's got to, like, set up shop ASAP. Like, get a job, get an apartment, get it set up as best you can for the kids to come over. Now, if anything, he's probably going to have to get, like, a pull-out couch or something like that. I mean, maybe some air mattresses. So Daniel does tell Lydia to take care of her. So I'm guessing, is he meaning Miranda or is he referring to Natty? But I like the little Three Stooges thing he does with Chris. Well, he, like, puts, Daniel puts his hand up. And then, of course, Chris does the, the two-finger thing. <laughs> it's cute. So we meet the court liaison, and she's telling him that she expects two things of him, a living condition, that she's going to check on Monday and Friday evening. She's going to inspect it. Twice a week you got to inspect his place for what? Just see, okay, looks great. And may I'd say pop in what? Maybe a couple times a month, once a week tops. But twice a week? That's eight times a month. What is gonna be different from Monday that isn't the same thing on Friday? Who what whatever. Oh my god. This is nuts. This is this is excessive for 1993. It's not like he's a drug addict or a recovering alcoholic. What are you inspecting exactly? He's a normal guy who just got divorced from his wife and he doesn't have his kids. What exactly are they supposed to be looking for? Pervert paraphernalia? So, of course, the other thing is the employment issue where she hands him a list of the nearest employment office so he's probably going to take some odd jobs some temp work and stuff until he eventually i'm kind of wondering if with the animation studio or that whatever you want to call it if by leaving that place if he kind of burned his bridges and able to go other places so apparently he doesn't even have to go down because he or 
make an appointment because she already did that for him. So she's like, okay, is there anything specific that you, like, do? He's like, yeah, I do voices. And she's like, you do voices? Like, what? So he basically demonstrates by doing a bunch of voices just... I'm guessing from what I'm gathering from the other uh, podcast that covered this movie, they're saying they pretty much just let Robin Williams go, just put him on, put the camera on him, leave it running, and just he just goes and does one impersonation after another. Oh, it's funny because it does show in the subtitles what voices he's doing. One is German, one is uh, aliens, one is a Russian accent. Imitating a monster, imitating Groucho Marx, imitating Sean Connery, imitating Reagan. Walter Brennan, okay. Oh, that's right, yeah, I remember that Full House episode I covered, um, uh, what's it called? <laughs> the Graduates, where, um, this girl, 20-year-old girl that Danny dated for a hot second, uh, <laughs> I think Joey did an impression of Walter Brennan, and of course she thought it was like, oh, great whole, great Ronald Reagan. He also does Humphrey Bogart, the pudgy voice, and he's also he's like, I do a great impression of a hot dog. <laughs> this lady is like humorless. I mean, granted, she's got to take her job seriously. She can't be like smirking or like, <laughs> yeah. But she's chuckling in a way. He's like, <laughs> Mr. Hiller, do you consider yourself humorous? He's like, yeah, I used to. But there was a time I found myself humorous. But today you have proven me wrong. So he levels with her like, hey, look, bottom line, I need to be with my children. You just tell me what to do and I'll do it. So we see KTVU Television Studios. So Daniel comes in and of course... Of course, he's like, I'm Daniel Hillard, the actor. He probably thinks he's going to be, because it's a television studio, maybe someone will need him for a part or to stand in for somebody. Nope, he's going to be taking film reels from one end of the building to the other. Yeah. Daniel's like, oh, wow, films. Will I be introducing these on air? And Tony's like, not exactly. And... Daniel's like, well, then what do I do? He's like, oh, well, basically, you take all these cans, you box them, and you ship them. Then you box those cans over there. You ship them. Then more of them will come in. You box those, you ship those. So, he asked, Tony asked for questions, and Dan, Daniel's like, uh, okay. What do I do after I box them? And Tony's like, you ship them. It's like he was just joking with them. Tony is just not impressed with Daniel. Like, lots of luck, smartass. Uh, and it's just, it seems like Daniel does rely a bit on humor in uncomfortable situations. Which, I mean, I think sometimes I even do that a little bit. Just, it's almost like a defense mechanism. Like, it's your go-to move. And... Apparently, like, the court liaison and Tony here are just like, well, they're they're not into that. They're just, not everyone, not everyone's here for the Daniel show. I'm here for the Daniel show, but those two aren't. And Daniel's like, oh, I think I made a friend. So now we're going to go back see what Miranda's up to. She's in her office. She's been, uh, she's drinking a cappuccino out of a teacup. 
in a saucer. Her boss brings in Stu Dunmire, of course. <laughs> Miranda's got a little cappuccino milk mustache thing going on, and of course he's like kind of pointing, like, saying, oh yeah, sorry. She is so kind of taken with him as far as just his his level of power, like in in the industry of renovations and all that stuff, interior decorating. She, I think she says. Or maybe he says, I followed your work for a while. That's why I wanted to work with you. Oh, so they know, they've, like, known each other. Like, oh, it's been a long time since the last time we saw each other. And the way he says it almost seems like they had something going on at one point a long time ago. So she shows um, Stu her sketches of the old mansion that he is refurnishing and revenant uh, word I'm looking for renovating and she's just going like room by room and just saying you know when the building was originally built and this and that and how the rooms are gonna be it used to be this but now it could be this if that's what you want and he's like, oh, you look more beautiful than ever than the last time I saw you. And it's like, he clearly is not into, I mean, he is into her drawings, but he's more into her. That's why he invites her out to have dinner. And she explains that she just recently got divorced, so she's not ready to date yet. Yeah, just the conversation here leads me to believe they had a fling or something so long ago. He's like, I always hoped you'd find happiness. Like, that's something that somebody says after they've been in a relationship with someone and moved on and done other things. It's like, oh, well, I always hoped you'd find, you know, happiness or find the right person for you and stuff. Like, this is not someone who's just looking to do business with a person. This is someone who's clearly had history or a past with this Yeah, he's had some history with her. So, we see Daniel's new place. He's got a, a room over a bakery. Ooh, that's gonna smell so good in the morning. Uh, I would love to have a room over a bakery if I weren't married and I were single. But of course, he's still in the process of getting stuff where he wants it to be. A lot of stuff still in boxes. It looks like he's got a baseball mitt, a bunch of baseballs probably that have been signed, a baseball bat, uh, a flipper. Looks like they're going the Chinese takeout route for dinner. That's cool, because he's got the kids over. It looks like the chairs that he got for, all the chairs around that circular table are all I think different types of chairs. They're all they're wood chairs except for the one that Daniel's sitting in, which looks like aluminum. So it looks like the kids aren't staying the night, they're just going for the day and then um Miranda picks them up. So he's like, I know the place doesn't look like much, but what do you think? And of course Natty and Chris are all like, Yeah, it looks alright. Of course, Lydia isn't really a help here. Like, oh, it's detestable. Like, girl, he doesn't need your negativity, okay? He's already dealing with your bitch of a mother. Yeah, and he kind of comes back in his own defense. Like, hey, just give me some time. I'm not too comfortable with this new lifestyle. It's like, girl, you need to back off. What? Why are you blaming him? She's like, neither are we. 
It's like, uh, I know it's hard, but I don't know what to tell you. This is kind of the life that I'm living right now, and it's not like I wanted this. So what, because she can't throw daggers at her mom, she's going to aim it for Daniel? That's unfair. He didn't ask for a divorce. She did. And, of course, Natty's only, like, what, five? So she doesn't understand. Like, oh, can't you just tell Mommy you're sorry? It's like, honey, it doesn't work like that. A bit more complicated. Of course, Daniel can't talk without the disdain in his voice. Uh, Miranda, like, huh, how is the old battle axe? He's like, oh, I mean your mom. And Chris is like, oh, yeah, she's uh, fine. He's like, oh, that's good. Uh, I'd hate to think that she came down with amoebic dysentery. <laughs> Piles. <laughs> and of course, Nanny doesn't know what amoebic dysentery is. It's basically where you're shitting yourself until you die eventually. And he's just basically diarrhea forever until you die. And, of course, Daniel's like, and you don't have to be so graphic with her. And he's like, hey, I learned it in a science book. It's like, yeah, but you're not helping the situation. And poor Natty's like, diarrhea forever? Why would you want mommy to die? It's like, I don't want mommy to die. It's just, and of course Lydia is not like, oh, Dad, you're not helping. You're not helping the situation. I think this na negative Nancy here, this Lydia, like, if you can't be respectful of your father, stay the hell home. Yeah, he's being very graphic. He's like, oh, you get an infection in your tummy, then your body dries up and you die. What? He never said anything about dying. That was your brother. Yeah, she's like, Dad, you're not trying very hard. Like, girl, don't judge him. You're not in his shoes. What is this, shit on Daniel Day? She is so blaming him. Like, oh, we only get to come here once a week. That's not very much. D take it up with your mother. Gosh, I want to smack this girl. She irritates me so much. He's like, Natty, I'll try to think good thoughts, okay? And she's like, about Mommy? And he's like, <laughs> I'll try. <laughs> not. <laughs> Of course, Miranda arrives to get the kid. She doesn't even go in. She just honks from the street. So Lydia's like, oh, we gotta go. That's mom. And apparently she's an hour early. So, yeah, it's like, all right, we gotta go. And all the kids get up. And he's like, no, 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 sit down. Sit down. Yeah, he Daniel loses it here. He gets very angry. So you don't have to run off every time she honks the horn. You're on my time now, all right? You're my goddamn kids, too. And the kids all kind of look at him like, whoa. That's probably the first time they've seen him get, like, irritated and yell at them. So, of course, he realizes, like, maybe that was the wrong reaction. And he tries to play it off, like, with a joke, do an impression. And... Miranda ends up having to come up to the apartment, and she's like, oh my gosh, this place is disgusting. I can't believe I'm letting my kids come here. Like, Of course, she's got to make digs about his place, and he's got to make digs about her. Like, oh, love this, because uh, he said he was going for like a refugee flee my homeland kind of thing. And he's like, oh, love the dances with wolves Indian motif. What's your Indian name? Shops with a fist. And she's like, are my children ready yet? It's like, no, our children are not ready yet because they're still eating. So it's like, you can sit yourself down somewhere and just wait. 
It's like, you get them, seriously, she gets them six days a week. She's an hour early. And it's like, I'm not going to have you rush me along. You're cutting into my time, my one day with them. Girl, lady, what's your deal? Oh, and she was also an hour late dropping them off. So she is cutting into his time with his kids by two hours. That is bullshit. So she's like, oh my gosh, I don't have time for this. I gotta run the market and the bank and the newspaper. And he's like, oh, really? The newspaper? So you're taking out one of those personal ads? It's like DWF seeks WWM with BMD into light BND. Uh, desperate white female, I'm guessing, seeks. Gosh, I can't. <laughs> What's WWM with BMW? Oh, BMW, like a car. Okay. Into like B and D. So I'm guessing like bondage and whatever the D, discipline or something. I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, she's placing an ad for a housekeeper. And it's like, why do you need a housekeeper? She's like, well, I need uh, someone to do the cooking and watch the kids when they get home from school and get groceries and light housework and this and that. And I like how he's like, hey, why don't I just take the kids after school? You know, the kids are down. Like, yeah, can we really? And she's like, I'll think about it. It's like, well, that's clearly a no. The way that she's saying I need someone to be there when the kids get home from school to clean, possibly start dinner. So it's almost like she's listing things that even Daniel wasn't doing when they were married and he was living, you know, at home with them and everything like that. See, the things I need the person to do are things you clearly didn't do even when we were married. It's like, yeah, it's personal digs at him. And he's like, hey, how much are you going to pay this person? She has 300 a week. Is that all right? It's like, well, uh, you're the one making the money, so <laughs> whatever. That's going to be pretty good for 1990 for 300 a week? Even Daniel's like, 300 what? So he wants to see the ad, and she just kind of, like, rolls her eyes and scoffs at him. She's like, please, let me see the ad. I have a right as their father. And she's like, here, anything else you want to see? He's like, why are you offering? She's like, not anymore. He's like, what's the change? I'm guessing that has to do with, like, their sex life or something like that that they had. Why is she going over to them and just saying, oh, are you kids all right? It's like, yeah, we're fine. What did you... Oh, this lady infuriates me to no end. She's, like, picking up a box of takeout, sniffing it, like, oh, my gosh, we need to get you kids some real food, not this gross takeout stuff. This is where... He asks, like, hey, won't you let me take care of the kids? If you think about it, I mean, you'd be saving 300 bucks a week. And the kids would most likely rather spend time with their dad than spend time with a stranger. You know, it's a sad thing. She's, like, on this damn power trip. You can't see the damage that's doing to your kids the way you're getting back at your husband. You know, making jabs at his place, what he's feeding your kids and everything. It's like... Why are you personally attacking this man? He never once did that to you. Of course, <laughs> Natty's like, we're his goddamn kids too. She just looks at Daniel like, okay, clearly that was from you. Any other colorful phrases you want to interject into our child's brain? Or vocabulary? Well, Natty's not wrong. <laughs> She's not wrong in that regard. The fact that he's like, oh, are my children ready yet? It's like, uh, it took two to make those three kids. So, yeah. 
You might have went through the labor, but you did not provide the sperm to create those kids. The way that she's rushing the kids out, you think of how the apartment were covered in cockroaches and rat turds. It's a decent looking place. Sure, it needs, you know, a little touch up here and there, and he's just now settling in. Give him time. It's going to look better eventually. It's not, I mean, man. She's like, I'd say go to the bathroom before we go, but I don't think that's a good idea. Why? Do you think it's crawling with cockroaches? So it looks like what she has here is reliable, non-smoking, cleaning woman wanted, light cooking, and child care. And it looks like she's got her home phone and work number down there. And it looks like it costs $49.50 to run an ad for, what, a week? Oh, per week is like 50 bucks to run an ad. That is... And it's 19.93. whatever. It's the San Francisco Chronicle. Maybe they are very expensive. So he, of course, changes the number on the ad. Usually, when you place an ad... Everything's pretty much done online anyway, and you're gonna they're gonna wanna call you or you might wanna call them, just make sure hundred percent like this is how I worded it, this is how I want it. It's and they're gonna you know, okay, like here, let me see. What I have here is reliable, non smoking woman, cleaning cooking. This clip this is just hilarious of Daniel doing this just to annoy the hell out of um Miranda because honestly I think she needs it at this. She deserves it the way that she's treating him. A hundred percent. And I'm sorry but if I were Daniel I would want a say in who she brings into that house. You know he is the children's father. Hello? Are you calling in response to the ad? Tell me, who was your previous employer? I was in a band. Severe tire damage. In a band? I, I just want to know one thing. Are your kids well behaved? Or do they need like a few light slams every now and then? Um, I'll have to get back to you. Wow. <laughs> yeah, my name is Ilsa Immelman, and I want to know how many children do you have? I have two girls and a boy. Oh, a boy. I don't work with the males, because I used to be one. <laughs> Hello? Layla, get back in your cell. Don't make me get the hole. Hello? <laughs> I am Joe. Do you speak English? I am job. I'm sorry, the position has been filled. <laughs> oh, nightmare. Screaming for the kill. <laughs> She's like, oh, boy. Hello? Hello? I'm calling in regards to the air day reading the paper. Yes. Would you tell me a little bit about yourself? Oh, certainly, dear. For the past 15 years, I have worked for the Smythe family of Elborn, England. That's Smythe, not Smithy. And for them, I did house cleaning, cooking, and took care of their four glorious children. Oh, I grew quite attached to them after 15 years, but they grew up as children tend to do. Oh, but listen, 
Jimmy, I'm going on, and you should be telling me about your little ones. I have two girls. Oh, two precious gems, no doubt the jewel of your eye. And one boy. Oh, the little prince, how wonderful. I must tell you, there would be a little light cooking required. Oh, I don't mind that, dear. I'd love some heavy cooking. But I do have one rule. They'll only eat good, nutritious food with me. And if there's any dispute about that, it's either good, wholesome food or empty tummies. That's my rule. Hope it's not too harsh for you, dear. No. Um, would you mind coming on an interview, say, Monday night at 7.30? Oh, I'd love to, dear. Wonderful. I'm at... 1 sounds like a, a feminine woman that he's impersonating. She says that I was in a band. The band is called Severe Tire Damage. And mind you, I'm thinking Miranda is driving around with a flip phone. Now this is 1993. Clearly as an interior decorator she makes good money to have one of these things. But the fact that it's got most likely for the case of the movie, it's got impeccable sound as far as it's not breaking on the... It's not discerning. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? It's none of that. So she gets... And, of course, Miranda's like, oh, you were in a band? And probably... Uh, Daniel's like, uh, I just want to know one thing. Do your kids need uh, like a few light slams every now and then? And of course you're like, uh, oh, I have to get back to your click. The next one is, of course, and this is 93. This is San Francisco. I don't know how big the trans community was at this point, but just the, her reaction where she's like, oh, I have two, boy, two girls and a boy. It's like, oh. I don't work with the medals because I used to be one. Like, what? And she just, like, looks at her phone like, uh, excuse me? Yikes. <laughs> oh, yeah, yes. Are they, well, your children, are they well behaved or they need, like, a few light slams every now and then? Yeah, she's like, I'll have to get back to you. <laughs> oh, the next one, he's sitting in a bathtub. Because the first one, he was at work when he was calling. Now he's sitting in a bathtub. Putting on a German accent, it's like, hello, my name is Ilse Hammerman. How many children do you have? <laughs> She's like, two girls and a boy. It's like, ah, I don't work with the males because I used to be one. Like, okay. So the next one has him screaming into the phone when Miranda picks up, like, ah! 
Layla, don't you make me get, you get back in your cell, don't make me get the hose. And then he has the accent, the Mrs. Doubtfire accent when she says, hello. And immediately Miranda hangs up. So now Daniel feels like, okay, now it's time to go in for the kill. Like, this is the one that's going to be the real winner here. And he puts on the accent of an old um English lady. And he elaborates the story about how he worked for the Smythe family, you know, their four kids. I mean, but it was like 15 years ago. And he really is, like, Miranda's, you know, buying this. She, of course, has not, she doesn't even know any of the other supposed advocates for, or callers for Daniel. And she does say how, you know, there's going to be some, like, housework, cooking, taking care of the kids. And, of course, Daniel, as Mrs. Doubtfire says, the only rule I have is that they eat good, nutritious meals with me or they go to bed with a empty tummy. Hopefully that's not too harsh. And it's like, oh no. And Miranda just falling in love with this lady over the phone. Like, this person is just perfect. So she asked her to come over on Monday for an interview. Now Daniel's got the voice. He just has to get the body and look to go with it. So, of course, he goes to his brother Frank, who works with, you know, movie magic and makeup and masks and prosthetics and all that stuff. Oh, before the Mrs. Doubtfire voice, he does do, like, a Spanish accent, like, I am job. And she's like, do you speak English? I am job. Like, clearly not. Like, oh, the position has been filled. So, they got Daniel in the chair. They got, like, pieces of tape and the strings kind of, like, pull back, like, his face to get a... Because they're going to put, like, um, they're going to make a mask, and of course they want his face to be 100% like smooth and tight and everything so they can get the exact replica. And of course Jack is like, the man has 5 o'clock shadow at 8.30 a.m. and you're worried about strings because Frank is like, oh well, don't worry about the strings, they'll be under the wig, don't worry about it. So... Daniel says he's not going to shave. What exactly, what, do you mean your legs you're not going to shave? Or other areas? Because he's going to be putting on a mask. He's going to have to keep his face, you know, smooth sh shaven and all that stuff. So basically just going to work on the makeup. And, of course, we get the line, I'm ready for my close-up, Mr. DeVille. And this is the first of many montage, music montages that we get. I've never seen Fiddler on the Roof. Jeremy does have the movie, and I would like to eventually watch it at some point. Because I hear it's, like, really, really good. So they sing, I think this is where they sing Matchmaker, Matchmaker, Make Me a Match. Oh, wait, no, I think it's Luck Be a Lady. I think that's who the first song is. Oh, they're trying to find the look, but it's like, you already put on the... English country, the old English nanny voice, so clearly looking like Angelica Houston in The Witches is not going to help your case. Because she's got, he's got a black, almost blue looking wig with bright red lipstick and 
the, the nails and everything. He's like, I don't know. Will this scare the kids? This is just a little, like, I don't Okay, wait. So, no, we don't get the luck be a lady yet. We don't get matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match. So they tie a scarf around Daniel's head with the prosthetic of the nose. Oh, here we go. Um, they decide that they're going to have to do his entire face. Like, e e you want to go in disguise, you're going to have to do the whole shebang. Because he's like, oh, I feel, because he's got a old lady wig with a scarf around it. And he's like, I feel like Bubby, who was uh, the name for a grandmother. And Frank's like, don't worry, you're my brother and I will never, ever let you be embarrassed. And he's like to Jack, all right, we got to do the entire face. Here we get the matchmaker, matchmaker song. So he's imitating Barbara Streisand with the bronze honey colored wig don't rain on my parade so yeah he's like we gotta go older it's like and it's funny it's cute and everything with the voices and the sings and all that stuff and it's like no i want to go older it's like well shelly winter's older or shirley mclean older and it's like well what's the difference and he says some red hair diets of scotch tape like all right so basically we're gonna work with plaster and uh make a mold that way it looks like we're making them as a doubtfire look. How can who would want to have that plastered, uh, plastered cast on their face like that? For all there is is nose holes. That's it. That would be suffocating feeling. Makes me think of the man in the iron mask. Just how many years he had to wear that thing. So we do see the makeup. We got the. We, uh, we got the face, the mask, we got the big teeth because she's supposed to be a senior citizen, we got the glasses, yeah. And we see Daniel dressing the part, putting on the support hose, the pantyhose, we see the cardigan, the old lady glasses. So we just see the back of Daniel dressed as Mrs. Doubtfire, and he's like, are we close? And Frank's like, any closer and you'd be mom. I love how Jack and Frank are celebrating their creation of Mrs. Doubtfire. They're just slapping high fives, bumping hips. It's just cute. Now we go back to the Hillard home. The kids are watching, I don't know what this grossness is, but it's like someone who's got like a clay face or something and someone that's like moving their face or like, I don't know. It's it's gross. Even Miranda's like, what is this garbage? Turn it off. Because Mrs. Doubtfire is scheduled to make an appointment, and she's like, I want you to meet somebody. And not everyone's going to be agreeable with this arrangement. So, is this their ver version of, like, a horror movie? And so like, it's an old black and white film. And Natty's like, ew, this is so revolting. It's the grossest thing I've ever seen. I'm like, well, clearly you haven't been traumatized. I have not been traumatized by The Walking Dead. But I definitely stopped watching it quite a while back. But I could definitely see Natty being freaked out by The Walking Dead. What's with the shirt that Chris is wearing? It's almost kind of a paisley thing. And it kind of makes me think of, because they're standing in front of the stairs. That... 
looks like the same material as the shirt. Anyway, no, they're gonna meet Mrs. Doubtfire. You know, I was just thinking, Natty is, what, five years old, and Chris is 12, and... Lydia's got to be, what, 13, 14? There was a long, long gap between the ages of Chris and uh, Natty. So I'm guessing that Natty wasn't planned, I don't think. So, Mrs. Doubtfire's first name, she says, I mean, Yuva Janiah Doubtfire. And she's really, not, you know, she's got, like, a... Elder, uh, clothes that an elderly person probably might wear. You know, the cardigan, the button-up. Hello. Mrs. Hillard, I presume? Yes. I'm Miranda Hillard. Eugenia yeah. Delphine. Yes. Won't you please come in? Mm -hmm. Thank you. <laughs> and these must be the chairs. <laughs> this is Natalie. Ooh. Oh. oh, it's quite all right, dear. No offense taken. I was a little liberal with the atomizer. And at my age, dear, you know, it's like a good stilt and everything does have its old aroma. <laughs> I admire that honesty, Natty. That's a noble quality. Never lose that. Because it often disappears with age or entering politics. Look at that face. You remind me of Stuart Little. One of the most honorable creatures in all of literature. Do you know that book, Stuart Little? Yeah, it's one of my favorites. Well, you can sense it, dear. The way 
she talks about her father. Really? I don't think he's in the Navy, really, the way she's saying she misses him. You know, it's that she wants him here. Like he's nearby. Yes. Oh, I'm so sad. Would you care to have a cup of tea? I'd love that. Oh, what a lovely room you have. Did you decorate this yourself? Yes, I did. So, yeah, clear. I was just thinking because when Daniel was leaving, Nettie said that they're in the middle of reading Charlotte's Web. And, of course, and the thing is, when I saw this movie, I didn't know. Stuart Little, the movie voiced by, um, Stuart Little was voiced by Michael J. Fox. I didn't know who Stuart Little was. I hadn't read the book. I'd only seen the movie of Charlotte's Web, and I mean the movie from the 70s. But I really like how he tries to connect with the kids. Um, when it comes to Chris, of course, he's into the athletics, you know, soccer, football, and all that. And, of course, I like how she kind of not so much reprimands him, but just says, you know, I, I uh, always put my, my schoolwork ahead of my uh, athletics and stuff. I'm sure you're the same way. So it's almost like she's kind of lecturing him. <laughs> of course... Lydia is fit to be tied. She's like, I don't understand why we can't just have dad watch us after school. Like, why do we need some stranger? And then Miranda's like, oh, well, the thing about your father's, I mean, if he got a decent apartment apartment and a better job, and it's like, even Mrs. Daniel's like, um, as Mrs. Doubtfire's like, I think you want to, like, let have the kids leave the room before you verbally bash their father in front of them. She's, and Rand's like, oh yeah, but if I did, I'd never see them again. She, like, tries to make a joke, and I'm just like, uh, okay. <laughs> but yeah, even with Natty, like, oh, you remind me of Stuart Little. Do you know Stuart Little? My favorite character in literature. She's like, yeah, that's my favorite. And Mrs. Doubtfire says, oh, well, maybe I can read it to you if I get the position. And it's just... I like this. It's just sweet. So Miranda takes Mrs. Doubtfire into the kitchen to have a cup of tea and kind of get to know each other a little more. And of course, Daniel had to come up with fake references for and you know a resume for this Mrs. Doubtfire character. Like you got to have an entire backstory. The fact that he came up with the uh, I used to be a fullback for uh, soccer in, or uh, football in England, which is actually soccer. Just coming up with this backstory on the fly. But he knows what his kids like, so he uses that as a way to kind of connect to them through the character of Mrs. Doubtfire. So, turns out, Mrs. Doubtfire's like, oh, no, no, let me get the tea. You had a hard day. You just sit yourself down, and here's my resume. So Miranda's going through it, like, oh, it says here that you're a expert in first aid and CPR, and... Mrs. Doubtfire's like, yeah, I mean, you never know what those little ones will, you know, pop in their mouth, and you gotta, you know, get in there and take care of it. Oh, yeah, she does mention the Heimlich Maneuver as well. That's always a good skill to have. I mean, especially nowadays, you gotta have that stuff. You gotta be certified for that stuff if you're gonna be watching kids, especially young ones. So, Miranda actually... <clears throat> has a labeling system for her cupboards, just like a, just little label she puts on the front of the shelves to say, oh, this is where, like, the tea bags are, this is for the, um, other things, spices and whatnot, and I like how Daniel is using this to kind of, I, he's already wowed the kid. well, two out of three of the kids he's wowed. 
and connected with. Um, but I like how he's using this, like, like, oh, what a lovely kitchen you have. And, oh, I like how you did the, um, the labeling with your shelves and your cupboards and everything. And Miranda says, yeah, well, Daniel never, my husband never really cared for that kind of thing. It wasn't really a big deal to him. He never took notice. Yeah, she says, well, my husband never appreciated it. <laughs> Mrs. Duffer's like, oh, the poor dolt. That's not the reason you divorced him, was it? Like, D Daniel, are you really thinking that? That that was the reason? Like, come on. So now Daniel is getting a little bit of insight into Miranda's way of thinking. Because Miranda's opening up, even though... Mrs. Doubtfire is a stranger. She's opening up about her divorce. Like, it can be... Because Mrs. Doubtfire says, well, marriage can be a blessing. And Miranda says, well, so can divorce. And she says how Daniel is a very difficult man to live with. And she says how the kids just are crazy about him. I'm like, well, weren't you crazy about him at one point in your life? Um, and going back to the first meeting when... Um, Lydia's heading upstairs, and Mrs. Doubtfire is mentioning how, oh, that must be the divorce, so that's why the kids are so hard on you. And she's, Miranda's like, well, how do you know that we were divorced? And Mrs. Doubtfire is like, oh, well, just the way that she talks about, you know, wanting her father around, you know, not, like, he's nearby. He's clearly, you know, not in the Navy, but he's close. You know, she wants him here. Like, all right. I like that he's quick on his feet with a with answers to her questions. Because if you think about it, he kind of has to be. Even Miranda's noticing just how easily Dan uh, Mrs. Doubtfire flits around the kitchen like she knows where things are. Like, wow, you really know your way around the kitchen. And he's like, oh, it's just because everything is so accessible. I mean, you designed it and everything. You think for a hot second, as she's looking at Mrs. Doubtfire, almost scrutinizing, like, you look so familiar somehow. And you just see Daniel's face like, oh shit, she found out. She's like, you remind me of someone. So she's like, oh, who? And Miranda's like, I just feel like I've known you for years. So Mrs. Doubtfire's like, oh, well, maybe we knew each other in another life or something. It looks like it's a done deal. She's going to work for the family. Like, I would love for you to come and work with us. And Mrs. Doubtfire is like, well, so would I, yeah. You know, in a darker version of this, Miranda finds out it's Daniel and rips the wig right off, or rips the wig and the mask right off his face. So, of course, we have Daniel as Mrs. Doubtfire needs to get on the public transportation. He didn't bring it. Well, no way in hell was he bringing his car there. That would be a dead giveaway. Like, this old station wagon looks familiar. I wonder why. That's my dad's station wagon. Why are you driving? See, that wouldn't work. So he's like, gotta take public trans. So he gets on the bus, and I love this bus driver. He's a sweetheart. He's kind of hitting at her like, oh, wow, it's a cold night, isn't it? Hope you have something nice and warm to go home to. Daniel's just so uncomfortable. Like, here I am, dressing like an old lady and getting hit on my bus driver. Ow! <laughs> I noticed Daniel walking to his place, and it's just like, ugh, my back. <laughs> that could be because he's had a set of fake bosoms. 
fake boobs, so I can imagine he's not used to having that weight in the front. Maybe that just put... I, I thought there are women that are out there that have large, like, overly large breasts that do cause back pain that some women go in for breast reductions to get that... You know, with the back pain and everything due to... But anyway, it's just... He's having to get used to this. <laughs> new body. And new identity. He's really gonna make sure he doesn't slip up. Oh! Because he's like, if I find the misogynistic bastard that invented heels, I'll kill him. Oh. Oh, that's right! Because she said Monday at 7.30. Of course, remember the liaison said, I will be by your house Mondays and Fridays to check the place out. So clearly, this is the first, yeah, this is the first time that she's made a house call. And he has completely slipped his mind, clearly, because he's like, who are you? What are you? What? So now he's going to not only do the Mrs. Doubtfire in persona for Miranda and the kids, now he's going to pretend to be something, someone else for this lady here. Because like, here he's all bent down trying to get into his building, and here comes a lady like, excuse me, who are you? Oh, because he almost, he almost blew it with Mrs. Sassilner. Hello. Like, and the lady's like, uh, have we met? Like, she's never laid eyes on this lady before, yet she knows her name. Weird. So now he's got to come up with another identity and backstory. Like, oh, Danny's told me so much about you. I'm his sister. And the, the lady just looks at him like, <laughs> no, you're not. And she's like, I mean his much older sister. Yeah, she's like, Mrs. Selner's like, oh, you have his eyes. And of course, Danny's like, oh, only if uh, it says so only on the donor card or something. I didn't know what he meant. I thought... Because, you know, with the subtitles, I can pick up more things that I missed on past viewings. And I thought she said, like, donut card. Like, no, don't. Oh, because he donates his eyes. Okay, gotcha. But she, well, I'll go upstairs and get him be right back down. And Mrs. Selner's like, well, I'll go with you. And Mrs. Dalfire's like, well, no, I can't let you do that. Turns out he's forgotten that she needs to inspect the apartments. This is a bunch. I, I can see maybe once or twice a month, but twice a week is, that is excessive. Notice how Daniel forgot that. He should have marked that on a calendar. I love how Daniel's like, oh, it's three floors in those heels. Huffing it all the way. And Mrs. Sounder is just like, hey, if you can do it, I can do it. And Daniel's like, yeah, I bet so. Is your ticker all right? And she's like, top notch. She's like, oh, God. You're not getting rid of this lady. Oh, my God. That door. Because Miranda had issues getting into Daniel's apartment. And so did Daniel. Like, that door is, like, stuck or whatever. Like, you're really sh Oh, my goodness. What are these pictures here? Oh my gosh. Oh, that's right. Okay, because uh, she's saying that she lives with Daniel. Gotcha. All right. I'm looking at pictures. There's a picture above the fireplace of the family. And then there's also a couple school pictures, like one of Lydia and one of maybe baby Natty. 
Of course, the house is just in shambles. He's eating a lot of takeout. There's still quite a few boxes with stuff. Oh, on um that mirror above the fireplace, he's got quite a few pictures of the kids. So now Daniel, of course, is changing. Luckily, he can throw his voice really well, and Mrs. Sellner just assumes, like, oh, it's Daniel. Okay. Oh, my goodness. So now he's got to undress as Mrs. Doubtfire. You see that he's got the fake boobs. He's got the bronze, that, all that stuff. Now he's got to take all that stuff off. He's undressing in front of a window that I think, is this the one where, I can't remember if this is the one where the two kids across the way in the next building are watching him. Like, dude, who changes in front of an open window? Nobody. Unless you're, I don't, you don't do that. And of course, while... Daniel is undressing. He's saying, I've been going through some really interesting changes. And I'm becoming a new man and a model father. You can see, it looks like Mrs. Selner is not bought buying this at all. Like, oh, wait, he'll be right with you, dear. He's just changing. But yeah, he's just telling her, like, I'm finally coming into my own. Some new developments in my career. All that good stuff. Uh, apparently, uh, Daniel is having a mouse or rat problem as uh, Mrs. Selner steps on a mouse trap. So he tells her that he's holding down two jobs, one for an educational film and TV company, and the other one he's doing a, some housekeeping. So, yeah, he's given the backstory for how his sister is his sister, just saying she's half English, half American, half sister. <laughs> he creates this backstory for his sister, how... His father flew in the in the war. He was in London, met this lovely English woman, and they had a baby. So, of course, Daniel kind of puts himself in a sticky situation. Like, oh, well, she's not a great housekeeper, but my sister does make a fabulous cup of English tea. And Mrs. Silver's like, oh, really? You know, I would fancy myself a cup of English tea. And Daniel's like, ah, wouldn't we all? So it's like, Great, now he's got to go, he has to keep going back and forth as Mrs. Doubtfire and Daniel is just like, so, ugh. again, Daniel is undressing in front of an open window that across the street, there's another window to another apartment where two preteen Asian boys are watching him get out of this getup and start putting on the Miss Doubt, Mrs. Doubtfire outfit. It's like, ugh. And he is, like, putting on, you know, the fake boobs and everything. And the kids are like, ew, gross. Sick. Why was the idea of a trans person in 1993 such a disgusting th thing to think of? Like, it was unfathomable. I get it. We're in a different world 27 years later, but my gall. I mean, if this were happening today, the people wouldn't even really blink an eye. Like, oh, okay, it's a trans person. I mean, not that he, he's not, but they're just acting like it's the most disgusting, sinful thing in the world. Even these kids are like, ew, a man dressing up like a woman? Gross. So, yeah, it isn't until Daniel turns around to face the kids that they see a man wearing fake boobs. And like, sick, mom. 
So Daniel tries to put the blinds down, which he should have done before. Why he had this mannequin head in the window is beyond me because of course the thing's going to fall back the mask is going to fall to the ground and it's going to get run over by a bus tire or a garbage truck tire it's like oh that is not a good thing <laughs> so now mrs selner wants her english cup of tea what's daniel to do put on a bathrobe put the wig on and just like he ends up putting his face into a pie and then claiming it's like some like night cream to make the skin smoother. Oh yeah, Daniel mentions Norman Bates as he grabs the gray wig and puts on a bat. That's right! That's right! If you've seen Psycho, if you haven't seen Psycho and you want to see it, skip this part. Um, apparently Norman's, Norman Bates' mother died, yet her mind and entity, entity kind of has taken over Norman, and there's a scene where he is wearing her wig and a dress and pushing this body of a woman he killed, put her in the trunk, and is pushing it into a lake. But maybe he's just recalling Psycho or something with the Norma Bates. So I kind of wonder here if Mrs. Selner is like, something does not sound right here. Yeah, it turns out the garbage truck ends up flattening the mask. It's like, shit. So luckily he finds like a cream pie or a lemon meringue pie and he just shoves his face right in it. And she goes, Mrs. Selner goes in the kitchen and screams when... Daniel reappears above the fridge door. It's like, hello! Mrs. Selner just screams, like, ah! It's like, oh dear, I'm sorry to scare you. I love how, yeah, she's like, it's my meringue mask that I wear at night. It has, like, all these different things, um, egg whites, cream, something, powdered sugar, vanilla, and all that stuff. And just, you see Mrs. Selner, her eyes are just, like, bugging at her head. Because you see, like, bits of the mask, the meringue, like, falling into the, <laughs> the teacups. And, of course, yeah. Big gum of that stuff just falls right in her tea. Oh, there, now you got your cream and your sugar now. <laughs> So we see the uh, the calendar in the kitchen. It says it's April. So luckily, uh, Daniel is Mrs. Doubtfire. Pieces out. Says, "Don't worry, I'll go get Daniel, and I'll be heading to bed." So nice to meet you. Bye. And you see, before the scene cuts out, she takes a little bit of that what she thinks is meringue mass, according to Mrs. Doubtfire or Hilliard, what Hillard, whatever, and just puts a tap of it on her face. Like, oh god. So, of course, we see Daniel taking the <laughs> run-over mask back to Frank, and he hands Daniel another one, like, please be careful, she's an old woman. And then he closes the door and says, why wasn't I an only child? All right, now we're going to get another montage. I think there was only one job I had where you actually had to use a card to punch out. That would have been my first time working at Burger King. Otherwise, it's always been a time clock where it's, oh, electronic and you just like swipe or tap your badge all right so the song that's playing during this montage is papa's got a brand new bag 
by James Brown. We go to a bathroom and we just kind of see the bottoms of the stalls, just the guys, you know, different guys. And then, of course, you see Mrs. Doubtfire's support hose or pantyhose. And as Daniel comes out dressed as Mrs. Doubtfire. So as Daniel is walking out of the bathroom, he bumps into a guy. And the guy is like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And she's like, oh, it's all right, it's all right. And just the look, it takes a second after she's gone for the guy to think, wait a minute, am I in the right bathroom? Is this a unisex bathroom? I didn't th- I thought it was a men's bathroom. So we got the bus dropping off the kids, and this is going to be their first afternoon with Mrs. Doubtfire. So the kids actually, when they get off the bus, they actually have to cross the street. Um, when I was a kid... I um, just met at the driveway. I didn't have to cross the street, except for, I think when I lived at my aunt and uncle's, I just had to cross. It was a dirt road, but even still. I don't know why. Part of me felt a little envious that some of the kids that got to cross the street. I don't know why. It just, I guess I was just weird that way. Like, oh, they get to cross the street. Seems like Maddie just makes paintings in class but then again she's just in in kindergarten so they probably do painting story time maybe counting learning colors numbers stuff like you know the alphabet does anyone remember the letter people like if you went to school in like the mid to late 70s to like mid to late 80s like in in kindergarten and first grade you learned about the letter people let me see real quick if I can pull up the song on YouTube. Because I know once you hear a smidge of it, you're going to be like, I remember that song. <laughs> well, I'm so happy to be Miss A. And I'm so happy to come and play. Oh dear, I almost forgot to say that when I'm happy, I sneeze all day. Yeah, I just remember the little people from, like, kindergarten and first grade. So I'm going to play this uh, with the kids here, Mrs. Doubtfire, because the kids are watching Dick Van Dyke. It's a routine. They always do it after school. And she's like, nope, nope, nope. I'm sorry, but you're going to be doing homework. It's homework time. And Lydia, of course, is like, (laughs) no, we always watch Dick Van Dyke after school. In the scene, Daniel has to, like, really parent. Not that he wasn't parenting before, but he actually has to discipline his kids, which we've not seen that. Other than him shouting at them to sit down and say, you're my goddamn kids too, this is a time where, although he's being Mrs. Doubtfire, he's had to put his foot down and say, uh, no, if you're not going to do your homework and you're not going to listen to what I say, you're going to be cleaning the house. And that's exactly what the kids end up doing. All right, everyone, it's time to expand your minds. It's homework time. Okay? Yeah. After defend, I can... No. Now. No. Always watch Dick Van Dyke. Really? Well, not anymore. Oh gosh, you're winning right in the face. The only thing you'll be watching is Deep CNN. 
No. I know you're used to loosey-goosey, but I run a much tighter ship. Between the hours of 3 p.m. and 7 p.m., I'm in charge. And when I'm in charge, you will follow a schedule. Those who do not follow the schedule will be punished. Punished? She's lying. She'd never punish us. You don't know that. Don't fuss with me. Yeah, you're gonna be cleaning. Have fun. I like how in this scene, you just see Chris and Natty, like, it's almost like they're watching a tennis match between Lydia and Mrs. Doubtfire. It's like, Lydia's not backing down, and neither is Mrs. Doubtfire. It's like, you really don't think that she can't punish you. And she's... Mrs. Delfire's even like, yeah, from the hours of 3 to 7, I'm in charge. You're going to be sticking to a schedule. You're going to get your homework done. If you're not going to do your homework, then you're going to be cleaning the house. And we see Chris, like, put a sponge into a bucket of suds. And he's, like, wiping down the doorway between the hallway, the entryway and the living room. We got Natty dusting something on the on one of the tables in the living room. We got Lydia vacuuming. And I like how, because it's a battle of wills between Lydia and Mrs. Doubtfire, and Lydia's got that TV remote, and she just keeps flicking it on as soon as Mrs. Doubtfire turns the, the television off from the TV. So she finally takes the remote and just flings it. How it lands in the fish tank, I'll never know, but good toss. Now you're going to be getting up to be able to flick turn up the volume, change the channel, because you don't got a remote anymore. And, I mean, in 93, could you just get one of those, I guess it's like a universal remote? Even if then, it's like, great, because now you don't have a remote, and you know that thing is like, totally, yeah, it, it's gone. You don't have a remote anymore. So while it seems that Chris and Natty kind of look to Lydia to being the... You know, she's the older sister. She kind of speaks for us. She's kind of like a soundboard for... Um, Lydia's had enough. Because we see Mrs. Doubtfire just hanging on the couch, sipping some lemonade, reading the paper. Lydia's like, oh my gosh, I've had enough. This is exploita exploitation. Child labor laws are being broken here. And both Natty and Chris, like, turn on Lydia. Like, you need to shut up. Like, you got us into this. It's like, kids, you didn't necessarily have to follow suit with your sister. But, so she gives them a choice. You know, you can either go do your homework or you can continue your manual labor. And Chris is like, no, no, I'll do my homework. Anything but this. It's like, well, then, Chris, I hope you meet someone who cooks and cleans for you. because. <laughs> but then again, he's a teenager. No kid likes housework. I'm an adult. I'm not even a fan of housework. But I do it, because I have to. As the kids are filing up the stairs, we hear them say, I miss Dad. Me too. Me most. And you just see Daniel like, I'm here, kids. I'm here. It's like he can't reveal himself, but he's, he's there. 
So, Daniel is attempting cooking following a recipe. It's not going well. He's got three, four, all four burners on that stove are lit with pots that are just bubbling over. I'm not sure what exactly he was trying to make, but I'm pretty sure this is where we get the, um, where his fake boobs are. <laughs> It's, it was in all the TV spots, all the previews. Of course, we get the joke, wow, my first day is a woman and I'm already getting hot flashes. <laughs> now, I'm 37. I haven't experienced hot flashes yet, but I, I worked around people that have. Um, a co-worker of mine who was, like, not quite 50, um, it was February, and she was, like, would get, like, really, really hot. So she bring this huge industrial fan over, and in February, she'd have the fan going. And I'd be, like, freezing. I'm like, gosh, is that what it's going to be like? Just feeling overheated all the time? Ugh, no thank you. But just like, oh, parents, we don't really get a choice of when we eventually hit menopause. So... Did she want, I mean, she's following, he's, Daniel's following a recipe, just making, I'm guessing this is supposed to be chicken, but it's just, like, burnt to a crisp. And there's, like, I think, like, hollandaise sauce or something and some other things. And it's like, I don't know if you want to be that exquisite on your first day. I know you got to make a meal for the kids, but... It's not off to a good start. Daniel, if you had never cooked before, he probably has any. Probably with the kids, he probably gets, like, pizza or something. You never, ever touch a hot pan on the stove without oven mitts or pot holders or something. That thing is hot. It is hot, boiling hot, and boiling hot water, and it goes all over the floor. You're lucky you don't have second to third degree burns on your hands. But then again, he doesn't really know his way around the kitchen, even though he's lived in this kitchen for probably 14 years. So, of course, he never did turn that burner off that had that pot of boiling water, because when he leans in to check the sauce, of course, because it's not the kind that has the coils that heat up, it's the kind that's a gas stove and has actual fire. And, of course... Look what starts burning. His chest, his fake chest is burning right through the clothes. Oh my gosh. And then it takes him a second to realize, like, something's burning? Because he's like, wow, it's really warm. And he realizes he's on fire, takes two uh, pot lids, puts them to his chest to, like, get the fire out. It's like, my first day is a woman and I'm already getting hot flashes. Oh, yeah, the hollandaise sauce. He's like, wow, this hollandaise sauce smells like burnt rubber. Well, there's a reason. Well, first he uses a spatula to try to put out the fire on his chest. And all this screaming, none of the kids are running downstairs like, what's going on? Is everything okay? Do you need help? None of that. They're all upstairs doing homework. They want to be as far away from Mrs. Doubtfire as humanly possible, I guess. I was just thinking also, I don't think they got a smoke detector in their house. If not, not in their kitchen because it's, that kitchen is smoky. That would be setting off your fire alarm. So now, of course, we got to come up with a plan B because that dinner is just, it's garbage. It's going right in the trash. 
So we've got to find something maybe similar to what was being made. We got, let's see, cookbook. We got uh, Mexican. We got Japanese cuisine. We got uh, China East, French cuisine at its finest. Just a bunch of stuff. Italian, you name it. Remember back in the day when you had to look up in the yellow pages for a business? Now it's just so easy to just look something up on your phone. And don't tell me that some of you don't like when trying out a new restaurant. Like, hold on, let me see what the Yelp reviews are. I don't do that very often, but, like, when I'm going on a trip and kind of seeing, like, what restaurant... I go to, like, TripAdvisor. This is not sponsored by TripAdvisor, but... I really like to see some of the restaurants around and what people rate it. Like, the service, the food, all that stuff. My girl! How much did she order? But it's like from Vitali's or someplace? The order comes to $135.27. Holy magoogie! Did it come straight from France? Did it, did it come from Italy? I mean, I can't even imagine Olive Garden. Well, you got like five, you got what, three kids and an adult. You don't, especially the natty, you don't know, you know, sometimes kids can be a little picky about what they eat, so. But it's like, my God. I mean, and this is 1993. $135. Yikes. And let's not forget the 27 cents. The guy reminds her. Oh, and I'm sure he's going to want a tip. Whew. I'm sure that cleans Daniel out for the week. The guy has to actually break it down. Like, he thinks that because Mrs. Doubtfire is, like, elderly. Like, oh, four dinners, 20 bucks extra for rushing. <sighs> Give me a break. This guy, oh, he's trying to take her to the cleaners with this. This is nuts. And she just looks at the rushing. Well, you could have been a little bit faster, dear. Well, it's San Francisco. We don't know what the traffic situation... This has got to be clearly, what, 5, 6 o'clock at night? Maybe going on close to 7 because that's what she said. You know, from 3 to 7, she's there watching the kids until Miranda gets home from her job. So she hands him 140. And it's like, oh, do you have change? And he's like, no. So basically he gets, what, a $5 tip then? Unless he wasn't even planning on tipping the guy. Well, the guy is, is being a bit rude. It's like, oh, 20 bucks for rushing. That's your tip. That's your $20 right there is your tip. Ugh, what a dick. And this guy's got, like, the slicked back hair, the you know, the bow tie, because that's the uh, work attire. So Miranda comes home. The kids, she's like, wait, is anyone here? Because there's, like, nobody in the living room. And the kids finally come down and say, oh, we've been doing our homework. Mrs. Doubtfire said we had to. And then they go into the dining area and everything just looks impeccably beautiful. I love how the kids just smile at each other. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, she's definitely uh, a real winner here. <laughs> Even Lydia smiles and Mrs. Doubtfire heads out to leave and Lydia just wants to thank her for, you know, making her mom seem happy again. She's like, I can't remember the last time my mom smiled or was genu genuinely happy about anything. 
So I like the scene between Lydia and Daniel, even though he's portraying Mrs. Doubtfire here. Lydia comes out, she apologizes for her acting like a total pain. And she says how she's kind of messed up about everything, you know, with her parents' divorce. And Daniel kind of does slip up here where he kind of touches Lydia's face. And it's just like, she's a little, because she just sees Mrs. Doubtfire. It's like, who is this lady? She was watching us today and now she's touching my face like a grandmother would. And it's just a little unsettling. Oh, when she says I'm still messed up about everything. Daniel touches her face and says, we all are, sweetie. And she's like, what? She just kind of looks at him like, what? Because she's seen Mr. Or she's seen Mrs. Doubtfire. Like, this is, I don't understand. Luckily, Daniel is quick on his feet with this as he's like, I, un I mean, I understand the pain that you're going through. And she wants to thank Mrs. Doubtfire for, you know, her mom is in such a good mood. It's like, I can't even remember the last time she was. It's been so long. I don't know, maybe Daniel needed to hear that. Like, clearly, I mean, he must, maybe he doesn't know that his wife has really been unhappy for a long time. And just seeing that even after one day, the effect she's already had, it's like, Wow. And we're going to get into another montage. Of course, we have another scene with the bus driver. Same guy. And, of course, Daniel doesn't realize that his pantyhose is kind of slipping and revealing his hairy leg. And the guy's jaw is, like, on the floor. And he keeps, like, he's, he's lightly flirting with her, you know, like an elderly person does with another elderly person. <laughs> it's, it's cute. But <laughs> she's, like, trying to, like, put him off. Like, oh, they broke the mold when they made me. <laughs> it's, 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 it's sweet. Oh, it's kind of funny how <laughs> I thought that Daniel was, like, the only person on the bus. And there's, like, at least three other people. And the driver's just sitting there, like, looking at, Daniel's hairy knee because he forgot to like pull up on his support hose or stocking and, he's, and the driver you know he's just he's being he, I don't think he's being offensive like oh you know you're just beautiful the way you know God made you and healthy and everything because he says something I don't think he says Brazilian women but he says something about like yeah that's just Natural and healthy. And then Daniel's like, and Mrs. Doubtfire, yeah, they broke the mold when they made me. And now we get Dude Looks Like a Lady by Aerosmith, the montage. So we do get to see Daniel spending time with his kids. Not that he didn't spend time with them before, but he's really, like, interacting with them. He's playing soccer with Chris. He's going for a bike ride, as, you know, all of this is Mrs. Doubtfire with Natty. I don't know, do we see her maybe doing something with Lydia? I'm not sure. Oh, they're all going on a bike ride with Chris in the lead, then Lydia, Mrs. Doubtfire with Natty in the little uh, car seat. What's she saying? Oh, she doesn't even have to do anything. She just gets to sit there and be along for the ride. 
I noticed when Daniel was on the bike, we see a jogger in a sports bra going past. And, of course, it's like, Daniel, you need to keep your Mrs. Doubtfire persona in check at all times when you're with the kids. Because you see his face and you see him checking out that jogger. Good thing she didn't notice and get offended. Like, an elderly lady is checking me out? Ew. We do get to, uh, we see uh, Daniel just rocking out with the vacuum. <laughs> Who knew house cleaning? I, if you, you gotta clean to something. Music, podcasts, audiobooks. Maybe you don't. Maybe you like to clean in silence. I don't know. But I gotta have something to listen to to get you pumped, get you motivated. Unless you're the Danny Tanner type that just loves to clean, clean, clean. I'm not one of those types, nor will I ever be one of those types. But I gotta have something to listen to. We see Daniel back at his own apart his apartment. He has got the Mrs. Doubtfire wig and mask off and he is watching cooking shows in 93 julia childs was one of those wasn't she i can't think who were some of the other big chefs in the 90s around this time speaking of julia child we cut to the screen and there she is with a couple of lobsters i think that's her because I've never seen julia and julia the movie that's got amy adams and meryl streep playing Julia Child. Is it Child or Child? I think it's Child, right? Okay, I looked it up. It is Julia Child, not Julia Child. So, Daniel is now cooking lobster. And, of course, he's saying, it turns out he's imitating Richard Nixon saying, I am not a crook. I am not a crook. I can't do it. But, um, I probably thought, Without the subtitles, he's saying, I am not a cook. I am not a cook. Because crook and cook kind of sound very similar if you take out that hour. Oh, we do see her, uh, Mrs. Southfire reading Stuart Little to Natty. Aww. Now, is Daniel going to do the voices as Mrs. Doubtfire? Because that would be kind of cute. I mean, you can't not. I mean, if you do voices... In one book, you can't not for the others. <laughs> now we got Daniel rocking out with a broom, pretending it's a good. Of course, of course. I'm sure they were pumping in music, maybe even this song during the while they were filming this scene. Something to get, or I don't. Maybe Robin Williams doesn't need music to just go and just like rock out with a broom as a good like a guitar. Oh my gosh, yes, uh, Miranda is going out with Stu, going on dates, and of course, Daniel sees this, and does he give Stu the middle finger there? Oh no, I don't think he gives him the middle finger when he's looking, I think it's behind his back. What do you guys think about this with Miranda? Do you think she's moving like way too fast, or do you think whatever it's her life, let her do her if she wants? I don't know. For someone who like just got divorced and was just saying, "Well, I'm not really ready. I'm at the beginning of a di her divorce." I don't think is it a hundred percent final at this point. I don't know. But you're dating somebody, or maybe she's like, "Well, we're just going out on dates. We're not exclusive yet." 
Because I can't see how this would look good for her divorce. Like, wow, uh, your husband moved out of the house and you're already bringing a guy around? Yeah, how's that look? They're, your kids are already upset and confused. Let's not make it worse for them. I don't think we see any more of the kids coming to be with Daniel at the apartment. We don't see that. Oh, no. Uh, she does kind of wave and get a give a light smile to Stu, but as soon as Stu's back is turning, like, up goes the man, that middle finger, like, fuck you. So Daniel, of course, is just walking along, you know, in the crosswalk, and some piece of shit comes up and tries to grab Miss Doubt, Mrs. Doubtfire's purse. It's like, you piece of shit! Who the fuck? There, and there's people all over. There's this guy just runs up and tries to grab it. It's like, you asshole. I'll beat your ass. And he's Mrs. Doubtfire. If she beat that guy's ass, everyone around her would be like, yes, yes, lady, you take care of you. I think, well, because the guy goes to grab the purse. Daniel grabs him, and the guy is, like, immediately shook, like, huh, huh? Because it's like, beat it, asshole. Beat it. And the guy's so freaked out because Daniel's using his voice, not his Mrs. Doubtfire voice. So clearly the guy's like, whoa. It's like, you, you'd think in 1993, the idea of a trans person, a man dressing up like a woman, is so foreign to everybody. You'd think that they were aliens from another planet the way that they're being treated. I mean, I get it. It's 1993. The world was not ready for the trans community. But... My gall. The guy did bust the strap on the purse. Well, that sucks, because, uh, for a purse like that, it's not humongous, but you need two straps. So the montage is over. Daniel sees that Stu is over. He's got his Mercedes. So, of course, as Mrs. Delphire rips that hood ornament off, because, well, that's as much as he can do without trying to rip off that guy's dick. So, here, let me emasculate him by ripping off his hood ornament off his Mercedes. So we go to the house, and Sue is regaling the children with their junior year of college, Sue's and Miranda's. I guess they've known each other since college. Even then, Miranda was, like, doing amazing things, designing a big float. Yeah, so you don't really hear a lot more of the conversation other than elastic bands hitting you in the face. It was like Jaws. And Miranda's just laughing. Oh, that's not true. <laughs> and Daniel just comes in as Mrs. Doubtfire. Like, oh, this is a pretty picture. My ex with her new boyfriend and my kids all laughing with this guy. I, he does not want to be replaced. So, yeah, it's, like, surprising to see you're home so early, Miranda. And she, Miranda's like, well, Stu wanted to meet the kids, so that's why they're there. And it's like, yeah, okay, so what's this guy? <laughs> Stu gets up, like, well, this must be the famous Mrs. Doubtfire. I've heard so much about that. Miranda's been raving. And Mrs. Doubtfire, Daniel's, oh, she's never mentioned you. And he just, Stu just looks at her kind of surprised, like, oh, no? Like, <laughs> So Stu tries to make a connection with, like, oh, you know, I was born in London. I grew up around there. What part are you from? And, of course, like, Daniel's, oh, here and there, you know, all over, really. Is it just me, or is it, like, Stu and Mrs. Doubtfire are trying to size each other up as far as 
It's like, I don't know what to make of you, and I don't know what to make of you. Oh, because it's like, oh, your accent, Stu's like, oh, your accent's a little muddled. And Daniel's like, oh, really? Well, so is your tan. Oh, burn! Burn! <laughs> so Daniel pulls out the hood ornament to Stu's Mercedes. It's like, oh, I found this outside. Does this belong to you? Oh, it does. So you own that big, expensive car out front? And Daniel, it's like, I know you don't like this situation, but you need to still keep in check. You are playing a role here, an elderly lady. They don't exactly try to emasculate people. She's like, oh, dear, well, they say a man who has to buy a big car like that is compensating for something. Like, oh, small dick, big car or something. Like, what? Daniel, you don't need to have a pissing contest with Stu here, okay? I get you feel threatened because you see this man interacting with your kids. But you need to dial it down just a bit. She actually, he actually, as Mrs. Outfire says, a man who gets a big car is trying to, like, they're trying to compensate for smaller genitals. She says genitals, guys. Mind you, in front of the kids and Mrs., uh, and, and Miranda, within earshot. The look on Stu's face, it's like... He clearly is almost like, I don't know what to do with this. And probably in a way, it's like, why is this lady, Miranda's housekeeper, personally attacking me? Of course, Daniel tries to correct this by saying, oh, but not in your case, because I see that you're a strapping lad, aren't you? What? Miranda finally has to come over. It's like, is there a problem here? Yeah, it's like, oh, Stu's like, oh, lovely to meet you. Like, oh, yeah, you too, dear. It's like, nah, he definitely is like, what is this old lady playing at? It's like, you're not even family, you're just the housekeeper and you make the meals. So what is your beef with me, clearly? So you'd think that Stu were a movie star the way that Miranda's like just giddy and excited. Like, oh my god, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> I'm so excited. And... Like, okay, you need to calm down just a bit. Because she's asking if Mrs. Delphire can stay a few extra hours because she and Stu want to go out. Uh-huh. Yeah, and you know that Daniel definitely wants to put a damper on this parade in a heartbeat. He's probably, gosh, she was never this excited about me, even when we were dating. So, Mrs. Delphire... You know, Daniel, as Mrs. Doubtfire, is just saying, you know, it's too soon. You got to give the divorce some time. And it's like, honestly, yeah, you need to think of the kids. I, mean, I don't know what stretch of time this has been between Daniel creating the Mrs. Doubtfire character to her being with the kids and everything. Whether it's been a month, whether it's been a couple months, three months, I don't know. Yeah, he even says as Mrs. Doubtfire is like, you gotta let the sheets cool a bit before you bring someone else into the bed. Which, yeah. And Miranda's like, Mrs. Doubtfire, can I ask you a question? How long after Mr. Doubtfire and, you know, Daniel comes up with um, Winston, this fictional husband who had passed away for Mrs. Doubtfire? Like, and Miranda's question is asking... You know, 
how long after he passed do you begin to feel desire again for another? And, oh, Daniel stamps out that flame fast, like, never. And Miranda's like, never? Like, nope. Yeah, uh, Mrs. Doubtfire is like, once the father of the children is out of the picture, the only solution is total and lifelong celibacy. <laughs> oh, Daniel! <laughs> He really is like, I don't want you to be with anybody after me. After you. Because he's like, oh, as Mrs. Delphire, you like the strong strapping type, whereas I more am into the short, furry, and funny type. He actually described him, he's describing himself as furry. And Miranda's like, celibacy? And Mrs. Delphire's like, yes, and if you violate that, heaven forgive you. So, I'm sure if you've not seen the movie before, you might have figured eventually something might come up where Daniel's true identity could be discovered. And clearly, I think this is the only, well, this is one of, one way that it will be discovered in the movie. And maybe it's kind of, I don't know, maybe it's kind of good that, well, I'm going to play this clip. Because the kids freak out at first because they don't understand what's going on. Just 
too secret. Alright, um, here's a question. If you're gonna go to the bathroom, and let's say you live with other people in your home, or what have you, the door is closed. Do you go in there, or do you knock? Because Daniel's gotta take a pee. And he's been helping Lydia with her spelling, and so, of course, I made sure, I watch. He shut the door. So, in walks Chris, just walks right in there. Like, dude, the do maybe, yeah, he should have, like, locked the door, but come on. The door is shut, you knock. You don't know what's going on behind that door. You don't want to know. <laughs> and, of course, Chris catches Daniel as Mrs. Doubtfire taking a piss with a penis. And this is 1993. And this... Chris freaks out. He's like, oh my god, oh my god! And Daniel's like, oh my god, oh my god. And Chris runs into Lydia's bedroom. He's like, we have to call the police! We have to call 911 now! And she's like, what? Why? Like, Mrs. Elfire, he's a she, she, he's a she, 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 she. <laughs> We have come so far. We really, really have. So, I mean, the, uh, the, ugh. So, Lydia's weapon of choice, apparently, is a tennis racket. As Daniel comes in as Mrs. Doubtfire, and it's just, okay, I can explain and Lydia's like, don't come any closer. Like, what are you going to do? Hit him over the, hit, hit Mrs. Doubtfire over the, because they don't know it's Daniel at this point. They just think Mrs. Doubtfire's got a penis. <laughs> like, what, whatever. Um, so, Daniel's like, look, it's not what you think. And Chris is like, yeah, no shit. And Daniel, without even thinking, is like, Hey, you watch your mouth, young man, in his own voice, not the Mrs. Outfire voice, and you just see Lydia like, they recognize their dad's voice, like, Dad, is that you? It's like, yeah. And they're a little freaked out, like, why, Chris is, I don't know what it is, maybe it's a guy thing, it's like, oh, you don't like wearing that stuff, do you? And Dan's like, well, I mean, of course not, it's pain in the padded ass. Of course I, and I don't go out to old lady bars after work either. This was the only way I could see you guys every day. And Lydia's like, who did this to you? She's like freaked out, like, who did this to you? And he's like, Uncle Frank and Aunt Jack. <laughs> oh my goodness. And you know, he tells them, you can't tell your mom, of course, but you also, you can't tell Natty because she will definitely blow my cover. So until then, it's got to be our secret. And Chris is, you know, Lydia hugs her dad. Like, oh, I missed you and everything. And, yeah, because he, Daniel even says, if your mom finds out, the only way I'm seeing you is through plate and glass, which is in jail. Because she would probably have him arrested. And Chris is like, no, nah, I don't want to hug you, not just yet. And, of course, Daniel's like, yeah, it's cool. It's a guy thing. So we do have a little bit of a plot here that is going to turn into something with 
Daniel, you know, his temp job, maybe it's a permanent job where he's just taking canisters from one, you know, boxing him and shipping him what he's been doing this whole time. And he's kind of hanging out watching this old relic man talk about dinosaurs, kind of like a Bill Nye the Science Guy mixed with Mr. Rogers kind of type personality. And the guy is like so old and just, he's got that monotone, like almost Ben Stein type voice that even the cameraman is falling asleep. And the executive, this white haired guy, is like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fire this guy. I'm just gonna cut it. This show, it's dropping in ratings. It's not good. Because Daniel's, I remember watching this guy when I was a kid. <laughs> so it's like, no, no, it's just, it's cutting into, you know, I could put something so much better in its place. Even the lady, I'm guessing whether she's like in the director's chair or whatever, and maybe the um, white-haired guy is like a producer who can actually cancel a sh- a show, but I think, like, the director who's sitting in a director's chair is just sitting there, and she is, like, falling asleep. This show's plug should have been pulled eons ago. Mr. Lundy, that's what the white-haired, the guy who was Darnell in the movie Christine. I like what Daniel does here, as he offers his expertise on what he thinks would be really cool, because Mr. Lundy wants to, like, it's gone, I'm canceling the show, you can't convince me to keep it, this dinosaur old man, uh, talking, playing with dinosaurs. <laughs> Daniel's like, just start from scratch, you'll give it a kind of a, like, a musical number or something. So, of course, <laughs> Tony comes up like, hey, Hiller, get your ass out to the truck. That shipment's got to make a six o'clock flight to L.A. It's like, okay, Tony. Oh, that's Mr. Lundy. And Tony's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, no, Mr. Lundy is like, uh, he knows who I am. Like, yeah, right, right. I love Daniel here. like, as he says to Mr. Lundy, kind of whispers like, do you ever wish you could freeze frame a single moment in your, le- in your day and look at it and say, know it's meant for bigger and better things. This is just a small little hitch in his life that he a little a little hell he's gotta he's gotta get over. Daniel has got Robin Williams has got the most gorgeous blue eyes I have ever seen in my life. Now it's really common like a blonde haired person to have like blue eyes but when you see like a dark haired person with blue eyes, it's just gorgeous. Absolutely just oh. He's just he's got such a great face. He's just I love it. it's like the childlike wonder just his face just lights up. I just I love it. Okay, I gotta bring this up. <laughs> this childhood memory. Hold on a second, I'm gonna cough. Okay, this childhood memory I have. Well, I had, um, taped off, uh, I had, like, a little cassette tape, and sometimes I, like, tape, like, clips off of movies. This was one of them, the Walk Like a Man song, and I'm just, like, remembering how I went to my aunt and uncle's house, and my cousins were there, and I put this on their stereo in the basement, and we were all, like, me and my uh, three cousins were all kind of dancing to it. 
<laughs> it was funny. It's like, oh, no, you two are backup dancers. <laughs> I just, I, oh, my goodness. It's just, <laughs> whenever I hear this song, I always think of that moment of us kids in the basement just dancing to Walk Like a Man. Another movie that has this song, it's such a good movie. I definitely want to cover it for the podcast. Whether or not you've heard of it, I don't know. I think it's from 1993. Let me check real quick because I want to get it right. But then again, maybe you have heard of it. It just, it's not a hugely known movie, but it's just so good. So Here we go. Yeah, 1993. Came out the same year as uh, Mrs. Sapphire. It's called Heart and Souls. Came out in 1993. Starred Robert Downey Jr., Charles Grodin, Elfrey Woodward, Kyra Sedgwick, Tom Sizemore, so on and so forth. Oops, uh, Elizabeth Chu. In this movie, an unhappy businessman finds a new sense of purpose after he's tasked with helping a quartet of ghosts fulfill their last wishes before moving on to the afterlife. This has got a 7.0. It's so good. And I haven't watched it in years. I definitely want to cover this for the podcast. But this song, Walk Like a Man, is used at least a few times in the movie. Actually, now that I think about it, I think it was used in the movie Sleepers, which I eventually will get to that one as well. Because not only with 90s kids movies do I want to cover, but I also want to cover other movies. I don't want to go way dark violence because I'm not into that kind of stuff. But, you know, psychological... You know, thriller types, um, apt pupil, butterfly effect, um, Disturbia really isn't, but that would be a good one to do also. But, alright, let's get back to Walk Like a Man. Here we go. Uh, Apparently, Mrs. Doubtfire came with some groceries, probably just something to put together a dinner. She picked up some flowers for Miranda, which, surprisingly, in Miranda's home, she didn't expect that, apparently had an appointment, um... With the court liaison, Mrs. Selner, who wanted to talk with Miranda. It's like, oh boy, well, looks like, uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying that her gig is up. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying, like, she is really, you think she's going to find out, but... Because she uncovers something about, uh, with her conversation with Mrs. Selner, about the fact that Daniel supposedly has a sister. Miranda's like, that doesn't make any sense. Daniel doesn't even have a sister. Who's this supposed woman living with him? Yeah, and Mrs. Doubtfire's just like, you know what? She's a social worker. Just chalk it up to, like, nonsense. You don't know what she's talking about, this Mrs. Selner. <laughs> and it's like, why would he have an older woman living with him so shortly after his divorce? Why would he move on so quickly? It's almost like he's, like, Daniel's trying to make light digs, like, hint, hint, moving on quickly with somebody. Yeah. And Miranda's like, oh, she's supposedly to older and very unattractive. Why is she looking at Mrs. Dumpfire like that? Like, you think for a minute, like, she's gonna, like, oh my 
gosh, Daniel, it's you. You're the, or you're the old lady that, or, or something. So, actually, turns out, no, Miranda is going to kind of talk about her marriage with Daniel and kind of the issues, like, she had, kind of her point of view. So, maybe it's kind of good that Daniel is kind of hearing this. Like, he's kind of seeing things from her point of view. I'm not saying that she's 100% correct in all of this, because she definitely is not. The way she went about it was 100% wrong. But she's like, did you and Mr. Doubtfire ever have any, you know, disagreements, arguments? And Mrs. Doubtfire's like, well, of course, dear. What marriage doesn't have that? So I like this little backstory that Daniel's created for Winston. I guess he was a fan of the drink. And it's been, you know, eight years since he passed in, in November. And Miranda's like, okay, so he was an alcoholic? And, because <laughs> Mrs. Doubtfire's like, oh, well, it was the drink that killed him. And he's like, oh, no, he was hit and killed by a Guinness truck. Like, oh, wow. Wow. I love how Daniel can just come up with these stories and create these people that don't exist. Just on the fly. Just a whole backstory just for... Where Mrs. Doubtfire grew up and, you know, her fake husband with this fake background. It's just great. It's, wow. He is so creative. He's so creative. So Daniel, again, it's like, it seems like whenever he can, he kind of peppers Miranda with like, oh. Like, he's talking himself up. Like, oh, your husband couldn't have been that bad. I mean, even with a mountain of flaws, it's better to have no, a husband with flaws than no husband at all. And Miranda just looks at Mrs. Doubtfire like, well, who needs a husband when I have you? Okay. What, because she does all the things you feel that Daniel didn't do? Like the house and the dinner and whatnot? I mean, there's still that side of sexual, you know, comfort and, and enjoyment and attraction that you'd feel to you your partner and everything like that, that an older, wise lady can't exactly provide that for you. Unless that's what you're into. So they're just sitting having, you know, coffee or tea. And Marina, again, she says, this is the second time she said that. You can't imagine what it was like, how horrible it was like being married to Daniel. And Mrs. Doubtfire sits down like, oh, well, tell me, dear, what, why, what was so horrible about this man you lived with for 14 years? It's interesting because Jeremy and I are celebrating our 13th wedding anniversary in July. And I just, I can't think of any real disagreements that we've ever had. I mean, we usually have some disagreements. We don't have arguments. We don't have fights and everything. Like, we might disagree, but then... We, we work it out. We come to reason. We come to understanding. Like, okay, maybe not now, but down the road. Like, he doesn't want a dog and I want a dog. And I'd like to get a dog one day and I plan to get a dog one day. Granted, he's like, well, yes, when I die, you can get a dog. That is <laughs> that is a thing that has come into, over the years. I mean, I have a cat. I have a rabbit. I have a hamster. I am happy with what I have. I just, I would like to have a dog one day. I grew up with dogs. I just, I would love to have one. That's just it. And he's not really, I think once he got, once I brought a dog into the house, a puppy, I think he would fall in love with it. Because he did with Quinny, my cat. 
So, we kind of hear about Daniel and Miranda's early days. She's saying he was so passionate. He was so romantic. I love how Mrs. Dyfer... <laughs> Daniel's like, oh, he sounds like an absolute stud, dear. Of course, Daniel, you would refer to yourself as a stud. So, Daniel here... It's kind of interesting because... Miranda has no idea it's Daniel underneath that makeup, the wig, and the mask. So he feels like, hey, if I want to get some information, like, kind of see. Because he's like, well, I hope you don't mind me being a tad rude, but how was he? So I'm guessing Daniel wants to know, like, hey, maybe I wasn't satisfying my wife in the bedroom. Maybe that's why she divorced me. It's like, he wants to get an idea, like... Clearly, it's me. I'm the reason. So what exactly is it? And it's not like she would ever come out and tell Daniel the reason. But she'd tell- Miranda would tell Mrs. Doubtfire. She's had no trouble shit-talking her, her, hus her ex-husband to- Yeah. On a scale of 1 to 10. So one being a dud and ten being the best lover you ever had, the best sex you ever had of your life. Well, he doesn't add that in there, but, uh, but Miranda's like, oh, well, that part was always okay. It's like, just okay? Seriously? <laughs> just okay? Hey, you make it sound like he was so lackluster in the sack. I mean, they had three kids, but if you think about it, look at the age range between that amount of time between Chris which it seems like Lydia and Chris are at least maybe a couple years apart but Chris and Natty she's like five and he just turned 12 that's at least seven years where they didn't have a kid or where they were either having sex and using protection or just not having sex at all for seven years so I, I kind of think that I don't think Natty was planned. And guys, I'm not trying to say that like it's a bad thing, alright? This Mira Wilson is Natty so adorable. Daniel is really fishing for information to find out how he was from Miranda's point of view in the bedroom. Like, oh, he's probably a Casanova compared to poor old Winston. So apparently Winston's idea of foreplay was Effie, brace yourself. So, yeah, we get to learn what exactly Miranda fell in love with about Daniel. It was his spontaneity and his energy that she fell in love with. But apparently over time, that kind of started to wane. Or I think more like she just kind of got tired. She was more serious and he was still the same goofy, funny person that he was when she met him. And it kind of didn't really gel with how she wanted to live her life. I love how Daniel just, as Mrs. Doubtfire, just, his face just lights up when he hears Miranda talk about how she fell in love with his spontaneity and, and everything. So yeah, she kind of, everyone she says, everyone she knew was so organized and so scheduled. She says how Daniel was so wonderfully different and funny. I mean, he could always make me laugh. Well, they always say that laughter is the best medicine, right? I mean, and uh, Mrs. Doubtfire says, you know, they always say the key to a solid marriage is laughter. 
And she says, you know, the heartbreaking part of it is that, you know, after a few years, things just stopped being funny. You know, Miranda was working all the time and Daniel was always between jobs because clearly, you know, he uses his voice. That's how he he gets jobs. He does voice work, voiceover work. She says she was always working and she tried to get home early to be with the kids and something would go wrong. She's like, the house would be wrecked and I'd have to clean it up. And she reveals, you know, Daniel never knew, but so many nights I just cried myself to sleep. Well, and that, I think in a way that kind of harkens back to what I was saying earlier about the fact that, yeah, she's got three kids, but if you think about it, Daniel in his own right is kind of like a big kid. And, I mean, we saw him lay down the law with Chris when Chris is like, yeah, no shit, that things are... You, you know what I mean? I mean, yeah, he jumped right in there. But it's like, if you're 98% joking all the time and funny with your kids, like, they think you're their pal and everything, so when you gotta, like, take a step back and be a parent, it's not as easily received. That's almost like... You know someone who, they're always nice, they never lose their temper. Those are the ones you want to worry about when they do lose their temper. Because, yeah. I mean, I just, I still, I'm not sympathizing with Miranda. Just what she's saying and just how I was working all the time. Daniel was between two, you know, jobs. I, and I'd always be frustrated when I came... She'd want to see the kids and everything, and Daniel would have them riled up. The house would be a mess because of this. I'd have to clean it up, and then I'd be crying myself to sleep half the time. Because in a way, if he's going to be Mr. Fun Parent, then she's got to be Miss Discipline and Responsibility and Order. And this is all news to Daniel. He had no idea. And then here's another thing Miranda says. The truth is, I didn't like who I was with when I was with him. She says she just saw herself turning into this horrible person. She didn't want her kids to have that version of her as a mother. But, you know, I think in some way those kids are going to blame her for the divorce and everything. I, I really, I think that... If you think about it, if she's working all the time, she's not able to see the kids. They're going to be closer to the dad. They're going to have a better relationship with the dad. Because if she's coming home just to yell and everything of that, those kids aren't. So she says, when I'm not with Daniel, I'm better. And she says, and I'm sure he's better when he's not with me. Like, oh, you don't know that. Yes. And Daniel kind of breaks here. As Mrs. Doubtfire, as he says, well, you never... And then he corrects himself. It's like, I mean, did you ever say anything to him about this? And Miranda doesn't answer the question. She just says, Daniel never liked to talk about anything serious. And she says, I used to think Daniel could do anything except be serious. Yes, you were, Miranda. You were serious enough for everybody. Your serious level was through the roof. There was so much seriousness. That house could not withstand any more seriousness because it was just radiating off you. So I think Daniel is kind of taking all of this to heart and really thinking about this. 
Like I said, another example of a Daniel-type person would be Joey, the character of Joey Gladstone on Full House. He's always goofy, always laughing, always, you know, making, you know, jokes with the kids and everything. But there are episodes where he does have to, like, put his foot down and be a disciplinarian when it comes to him taking care of the kids on occasion. And the episode, Joey Gets Tough. You know, DJ's late, coming home from a karate tournament, and he lays down the law with her. He gets angry. And DJ's like, Joey, why are you acting like this? But, okay, let's get, let's get back to Mrs. Doubtfire. But it's just, I think in a way, Daniel Hillard and Joey Gladstone are kind of one and the same as far as people that are generally just you know, goofy, and you're like, oh, they probably don't have a serious bone in their body, but they do, it just doesn't come out, whereas, like I said, with people that are, like me, you're like, I get nervous sometimes, and I kind of, like, try to make light of, of a situation, not a serious situation, but that's my go-to, that's my defense mechanism, is to make a joke or, or something to lighten the mood. When things get too real. Not always. I don't always do that, but... It looks like the family's gonna go, including Mrs. Doubtfire, to Stu's country club. And they're gonna go hang out at the pool. And of course, Mrs. Doubtfire, Daniel is just going to sit at the bar and just drink. Because what else is... He can't go swimming. He He cannot go swimming. I love how Daniel's like, gosh, look at this... Must, I bet you need a credit reference just to get into the pool. <laughs> I love how Daniel, this is, this is just Daniel, like, just, he does not want to be there with his ex-wife and her new boyfriend playing family time. This has got to be so unnerving and so uncomfortable, especially with the scene coming up as he sees this guy stepping into his shoes and having fun with his kids, especially little Natty, just, like, hanging out on Stu's shoulders and laughing and everything, and... And then Stu's gotta, like, go over to the bar, talk to the bartender, who I guess he's good buds with, and he's talking shit about Daniel, like, oh, he's just some loser, can't keep a job. Like, you bastard! You don't even know Daniel! You never met him! So Daniel says something here to Natty, like, Oh, Natty, not a single body here that exists in nature. Oh, as in meaning a lot of those people probably have work done, like boob jobs, tummy tucks, ass tucks, all that stuff. Like, clearly, they've had professional work done. Yeah, (laughs) both! Lydia and Chris were just smiling a hot second ago, and now they're just looking at their dad like, really, dad? Even even Miranda's like, really, Mrs. Doubtfire? <laughs> yeah. So Stu's on the board, and Daniel, as Mrs. Doubtfire, is like, wow, what a stunning piece of work. Look, Natty, that's called liposuction. I don't think it's liposuction. I think clearly he just works out. And Mrs. Doubtfire also mentions about, you know, maybe Stu having a personal trainer. In 93, I didn't know what a personal trainer was. I thought when he said trainer, I thought it was like a piece of uh, maybe exercise, something like you wear to help you lose weight. I'm not sure. 
mean, this was before Pierce Bronston really made a name for himself. And how many Bond movies was he in? At least two or three? Um, but before he really exploded at that. And, of course, they want to get that guy in a Speedo or swim trunks and show off that magnificent bod. Because he got them abs. He got them abs. Do you think he actually did that dive in the pool? I'm kind of wondering. That might have been him. I wonder, I, I, I don't really, I'm not into James Bond, but Jeremy just loves the movies. I'm wondering if Pierce Bronson did his own stunt here. I bet it would say in the trivia. Gosh, I'm surprised with the money that Stu makes, you know, him driving that BMW and everything. He probably could own that country club. I'm sorry, but Miranda could say, oh, we're just friends all you want, but friends don't kiss on the mouth. That's not a friend kiss. That's a, we've been dating for a little bit. It's not a, I'm going to give you some tongue action in front of your kids and housekeeper, but. Oh, I just got that reference. I just got that reference. I didn't get it before on many viewings or when I saw it in the theater when I was 11, but when Stu gets out of the pool and comes over and Daniel's Mrs. Doubtfire makes you, oh, by the looks of you, that water looks really cold. As in, isn't that a thing like when a guy like jumps into the pool and the water's cold, their like penis like retracts or something like that or gets really tiny? Have you seen the, um, was it the Hamptons episode of Seinfeld where George is like changing in his girlfriend like walks in on him notices his quote-unquote shrinkage and he's like I was in the pool I was in the pool <laughs> I'm just thinking oh so he's making another joke about Stu's dick being small like from oh a BMW must mean you're compensating for a small dick and oh wow you just got out of the pool it must be cold otherwise you have a small dick what's up with that Natty, of course, is like, wow, your tummy looks different from my daddy's. And, of course, Daniel's Mrs. Doubtfire is like, well, sweetie, we can all have our own personal trainer. Natty looks almost uncomfortable. Or grossed out. Like, eh, your tummy looks different than my daddy's. Yuck. You know, you can't fault Natty for being honest. She's five. Kids just, they have no filter when it comes to asking questions. They will ask whatever, whenever, however. So Stu's like, hey kids, you got your phone suit? You want to go for a dip? And they're like, yeah. And he's like, how about you, Mrs. Doubtfire? And I love Daniel's Mrs. Doubtfire's response. Like, eh, you wicked, wicked man. <laughs> I love that. Isn't there enough, she, isn't there enough flesh for you to feast your eyes on? And he's like, come on now, Mrs. Doubtfire, don't be bashful. It's like, hey, if you're going you're gonna to sling insults, don't be uh, offended when I start throwing some your way. <laughs> like, hey, if you're going to play this game, like, I'm going to play it too. So, game on. So, of course, Daniel makes jokes about Mrs. Doubtfire's size, saying, oh, I think they've outlawed whaling. We'd be reenacting the Titanic, which, this is 93. Titanic the movie in 97, would not be out for at least another four years. Four years in like a month. But, 
It's, it's funny. Because kids see that shit. They, oh, they're talking about the movie Titanic. No, they're actually talking about the ship Titanic. Nanny's like, come on, Mrs. Doubtfire. It's like, no, 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 just leave me here. I'll hang out by the bar. I'll watch. Yeah, she's like, oh, I'll just sit here in the sun and crisp. I don't think you can get heat stroke twice in the same year. So, of course, she's like, hey, Mrs. Doubtfire, anything you need, just it, today's on me. Put it on my tab. And it's like he pats her shoulder. Of course, under his breath, Daniel's like, touch me again, I'll drown you, you bastard. <laughs> so, of course, the family's moved on to change into, you know, swim gear. And I was like, I'll just sit here and watch you move into my family while I can do nothing about it. It's like, oh, God, what am I doing here? This is beyond obsession, oh, God. So, Daniel's kind of throwing him back with the beer and, uh, or whatever alcoholic beverage he's, uh, drowning himself in. <laughs> Dude, you are Mrs. Doubtfire still, Daniel. And again, when this lady comes up in a bikini ordering a soda with lime, and Daniel's like, oh, it's on me. And the girl just looks at him as Mrs. Doubtfire. It's like, no thanks. Like, ugh. He's even smiling to- Dude, you're looking at her like- Ogling her body as a 60-something-year-old woman is ogling a 20-something-year-old girl, woman. Did she, he just wink at her? This girl looks so uncomfortable. Yeah, he uses his normal voice like, it's on me. And she, she just looks at him like, at her, and like, no thanks. So we get a little bit of insight into Stu as he's chatting up uh, the guy at the bar who's a friend of his. And it's like, yeah, who's Rugrats? And Stu's like, Miranda Hillard's. And it's like, no kidding, you? Because he's like, well, I'm kind of seeing her. And he's like, no kidding, you? The guy who's never having kids doesn't want anything to do with kids? It's like, you won't date a woman who's got kids. And you just see Daniel just kind of looking, just watching this whole thing play out. Like, yeah, that's kind of what he figured. Like, you make nice with my kids, but do you really like them? And Stu's like, hey, people change, Ron. I'm pushing 40. Oh my gosh, so he's my age? Woo! Granted, this came out 93, but wow! He's like, I don't want to spend the rest of my life by myself. Dude, why do you act like turning 40 is like turning 50? Or 50? 60 for that matter. I don't want to spend the rest of my life alone. Well, we just, seems like society had such a strong opinion on hitting the big 4-0. And that's not over the hill. That's not, that's like 50 is considered, you know, over the hill. Because you're like more than the halfway point of your life. This guy, what is his deal? He's an asshole. So, wow, she's got a lot of baggage, you know, three kids? And he's like, three terrific kids, Stu says. And I'm crazy about them, especially that little Natalie. And he's like, well, God knows they need some kind of stable father figure in their life right now. So Todd, of course, asks about the real father. The guy's a loser. Oh my gosh! Daniel's like, oh, loser, I'll give you a loser. Throws a line right off the back of Stu's head and just makes this weird squish noise. Because Stu is smiling, he's carrying a tray with four iced teas. So Stu is angry, turns, and Mrs. Doubtfire, of course, comes out from behind the fruit bowl and says, Oh, sir, I saw it. Some angry member of the kitchen staff. Did you not tip them? It was a run by fruiting. Oh, he's like, 
the terrorists, they ran that way. It was run by fruiting. Of course, this Todd guy has been watching the whole thing go down. And Daniel's just like laughing to himself like, loser, as he takes a sip. And he's like, what are you looking at? Daniel, of course, while he's boxing and shipping film rails, he sees the set for uh, the animal, the dinosaur little show that old prehistoric guy, the Bill Nye slash Mr. Rogers type. Clearly the show has been canceled. And he just starts playing with the animals. And he's having a great time. He just, this is what this dude should be doing. The voiceover work. But like I said, I think in a way he kind of burned his bridges. But I think this is his way to get back into things again and doing what he loves. Not just packing and shipping, you know, film reels. Of course, while he's doing all these awesome voices for the um the dinosaurs, Mr. Lundy just happens to be watching and he's loving what he's seeing. He's like coming he comes in, he starts clapping, and Daniel's like, Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to mess with the set and everything. It's like, no, 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 no. He just I like what you're doing there. That's really great. See, that's what this show needs is energy and excitement. Yeah, that's exactly what Mr. Lundy is looking for, you know. Not only entertaining the kids, but they're learning, you know, make it a teachable thing with the songs. Those songs could be, kids could be, you know, singing those songs to themselves like we sing, you know, Disney songs to ourselves. Because we've seen them so many times. And they're so catchy and memorable. And I like how Daniel's like, well, you don't, that's the thing, yeah, you don't have to play down to them, just, you know, play to the kids with the, with the animals and educate them, too. And if, if you think about it, the kids, I mean, they don't even, probably won't even think that they're being educated. They're just singing these dinosaur songs. Well, Lundy, impressed with what he's seen, is like, hey, I want to hear more of your ideas. How about a dinner meeting? So, next Friday at Bridges, 7 o'clock, and it's like, sweet, like, dang, Daniel, you go, bud, you go, buddy. But now we're going to have a problem. <laughs> we are going to have a problem. <laughs> okay, actually, I forgot. They do have another dinner at Daniel's, and his place looks great. It's just, it's a lot more cleaned up. You know, probably thanks to that liaison coming two days a week. <sighs> But it just looks so much better. There's an armchair, a desk, a coffee table with a little rug underneath. And I think some of the stuff that he's learned as, you know, pretending to be Mrs. Doubtfire is rubbing off because he's making spaghetti for the kids. No takeout. So this is nice. Miranda actually knocks and, and instead of barging in and everything. It just, it's nice how they're a little more... Well, she's a little more civil. They're civil around each other. So this must be the first time that she's seen the apartment since it's been done up really immaculately beautiful. He's like, oh, I see you got someone to clean for you. And he's like, no. And she's like, oh, you? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I did. Okay, so, yeah. She's like, oh, wow, you cooked? And he's like, yeah, I mean, I, I cook, I clean, I sew. And he talks about the Amish uh, cooking course that he's taken or something like that. 
And also, um, before she gets there, the kids are saying how proud they are of him and everything and how he's really come around. And he also has dessert for the kids. So it's like, they're not done yet. They still have dessert. Of course, they're stuffed because they ate so much spaghetti. Pasta is really a, it's a filling type of food. You definitely can get full fast. So when she's, Miranda says, I'm very impressed, Daniel leaps onto that and is like, okay, give me a second chance. Okay, let me take the kids after school. It's like, buddy, calm, just calm yourself for a hot second. He is just, he's like, I think he, he definitely wants to get rid of this Mrs. Downfire personally. Please, please just let me. But then again, it's like, well, no, things are working out great with Mrs. Doubtfire. I mean, I would if I could, but I can't just get rid of Mrs. Doubtfire. The kids really like her. It's like, oh, right, right, of course. It's like, ah, I still have to keep up this charade. And she's like, I can't get rid of Mrs. Doubtfire. She's terrific. She's the best thing, best thing that's ever happened to us. The kids are all doing better in school. Chris is passing every single subject. I guess he was failing before. And she's just saying, it's like, Mrs. Doubtfire changed our lives for the better. I find myself getting home early just to be with the kids and just, we're all, she's doing so great. And Daniel's like, oh, she sounds like an amazing woman. Uh. So back at the Hillard house, it's going to be Miranda's birthday coming up. Stu is taking her out to dinner. She's trying to decide red dress or black dress. And... Lydia and Natty are just kind of like, I like this one, I like that one. Like, okay, we need a third opinion. Let's call him Mrs. Doubtfire. Daniel, of course, when he hears that Stu's taking her out for her birthday, <laughs> he's like, oh, well, the red one isn't good because it's, you know, similar to what streetwalkers wear. And the black one is too short. I hope you waxed. I'm like, what? Her, her... Female area or her legs? I'm guessing her female area because it is a short dress. So Lydia, of course, knows that's Daniel underneath there. And she's like, no, Mom, go with the black one. And she kind of gives her dad a dirty look. Like, she wants her mom to be happy. I, I get, I mean, definitely. And Sue makes her happy and stuff. It's like, Dad, you gotta stop being so jelly and let Mom live her life. You're not her husband anymore. And apparently, this is taking place at the same day, on the same day, and the same time? 7 o'clock on Friday at Bridges? Cripes! And she's like, well, I can't go, I'm sorry. And Miranda will not hear of it. Like, no, I need you there. I need, I need my Mrs. Doubtfire. My children want you there. Please, say you'll go. And the kids are like, please... It's like, okay, I'll be there. How, uh, this has just got disaster written all over it. This, this entire situation. Yeah, she drops the laundry basket when Miranda says the restaurant is Bridges. It's her favorite. Apparently this is a real restaurant. She's like, oh, it's bingo night. I can't do it. And she's like, no, cancel it. And she's like, I, I can't. It's my turn to pull the balls at the rectory. I can't have my birthday without you. you. You can. You can. You definitely can. Like, come on. Seriously. You're her employer. If she's, I mean, it's not like she's got to visit a relative in the hospital at that time, but still. Really, 
They're really putting her out. They're like, please, please, we need you there. I can't have my birthday without you there. Yes. You're part of the family, Mrs. Doubtfire, and I can't have my birthday without you. Yes, Natty definitely does him in with that adorable, please, please come, Mr. D Mrs. Doubtfire, you just have to. So he's trying to reschedule with Mr. Lundy, and there is nothing available. Not a damn thing. Nothing in May, nothing in June, July, August, September, October, November, or December. Nothing for the calendar year of 1993. That sucks. So, of course, he's going to have to just keep... It's either you keep this opportunity or you lose it. So go to the meeting try to juggle both. It's going to be a pain in the ass because he's got to appear as Mrs. Doubtfire for Miranda and the kids. And then he's also got to appear as Daniel for his meeting with Mr. Lundy. Same restaurant, same exact time. <sighs> what is a person to do? You're being pulled in two different directions. Only in a television show or a movie could this possibly be pulled off or eventually found out with catastrophic results. So, of course, as they're heading into Bridges, Daniel spies Mr. Lundy. It's like, oh, crap. And they're actually right behind Mr. Lundy as he's getting his reservation confirmed. And he's like, has my uh, 7 o'clock arrived? Nope, not yet. So, he's going to be in non-smoking. Mrs. T Sue's like, oh, we want non-smoking as well, that section. And... <laughs> <laughs> Daniel's Mrs. Doubtfire is like smoking and Miranda says Mrs. Doubtfire you don't smoke and she's like no but I, I, I used to and just the only way to keep it at bay is to be around those who do smoke like okay yeah let's uh, submit your kids to secondhand smoke that's wonderful but then again he doesn't want to be in the same section as Mr. Lundy it's not going to be as easy for him to get away in the situation that he's found himself in. Like, he has to be able to get away from them. And it's not going to help if he's sitting at another section. But then again, he won't be sitting there as Mrs. Doubtfire, so. So, they go to be seated in the smoking section. And Daniel can see Mr. Lundy is seated there. And he's already pissed off because... Well, well, Lundy looks a little pissed. It's like he was expecting 7 o'clock. The guy doesn't show. I'm surprised he's still sitting there. So Daniel is Mrs. Doubtfire. Excuses himself to take his medication. And Rand's like, well, we have water here at the table. And Mrs. Doubtfire's like, well, I can't take it orally. It's like, ugh. So she's probably going to like suppositories or something. Ugh. So Daniel goes to a payphone, calls Bridges, just lets him know he is to let Mr. Lundy know he's running a little late, but he will be there so shortly. Just to give him time to change and everything like that. Oh, apparently he's, Daniel still dresses Mrs. Doubtfire as Miranda opens up the gifts who gave her a really nice necklace. And they go to kiss, and that's when Daniel, like, breaks in there, sits there, like, oh, did he miss anything? Uh, no. Oh, it's a bracelet. It's not a necklace. Okay. <laughs> So he's like, Daniel's like, oh, is that real? And Stu's like, oh, yes, Mrs. Doubtfire, it's very real. And Daniel's like making comments like, oh, you can either wear that or feed a small country. That's so nice. So 
Nanny, of course, picks this time as, I gotta go. Because she starts wiggling, I gotta go to the bathroom. And Miranda's like, oh, can you take her, Mrs. Doubtfire? And, of course, Natty's like, no, I want you to take me, Mommy. It's like, she wants you. So, Daniel is Mrs. Doubtfire, even though Chris and Lydia already know it's Daniel. They're, he's like, hey, why don't you go check out that dessert tray over there? Because he wants some time alone with Stu to really rattle his cage a little bit more. So, with the kids gone, Daniel just lets it rip with the, oh, wow, that's a nice uh, gift you got there for Miranda. Must have cost a pretty penny. Although, someone who gives a gift like that probably wants a little more than just, like, it means more than a birthday gift. And she's like, what do you mean? So Daniel just starts with every single euphemism for putting a penis into a vagina as you could come up with. Sink the sub. Hide the weasel. Park the porpoise. Bit of the old Humpty Dumpty little Jack Horny. Good great. Oh my gosh. This is just... Daniel, oh man. Horizontal Mambo. <laughs> Like, yeah, no, I know you want to get in her skirt. The bone dance. And Stu is like, Mrs. Doubtfire, please. Like, we're in public. He clearly knows, yeah, he's getting to Stu. This is all Daniel. This is, even though it's coming out as Mrs. Doubtfire, which is a bit odd coming from a 60-something-year-old lady who's just... He probably comes from where, you know, and... A place where, and a time where ladies of that age don't talk that freshly or that freely. Especially when it comes to talking about sex. Rumple foreskin, baloney bop, good god, this guy can go on for days with all these euphemisms. Old cunning linguistics. So, <laughs> this is Deathfire. Daniel's really. <laughs> It's like, I hope you're up for a little competition because she's got a uh, power tool in the bedroom, dear. It's her own personal jackhammer. As in, she's got a, a vibrator. Like, you're, that's your competition right there. I'm sure Stu's thinking, like, gosh, those kids and Miranda and Natty have been gone quite a while. Now he, Daniel's even going so far to say, oh, I hope you bring your cocktail sauce because she's got crabs. Ugh. <sighs> He is really vicious and vile. Like, he does not- he wants this guy gone. And clearly, Stu, none of this even phases him at all. But you gotta- I'm sure Stu's gotta wonder, like, what is Mrs. Doubtfire's agenda? Why is she- what is her beef with me, exactly? Because it, oh, it started on day one of their meeting. Daniel was already... He didn't like the guy. He doesn't want to like this guy. It's like, you think... You're just a housekeeper. You're not a relative. But then again, neither is Stu. He's just a person who's dating Miranda. Of course, he is, like... Daniel is just pounding back. And he's going to be pounding back even more stuff. So, Daniel was going to go into the men's bathroom to change, but of course that's when Natty and Miranda, Miranda come out of the woman's like, what have you been doing in there the whole time? Did the kid have to take a number two? 
That is a long time to be in the bathroom. Even for a kid. Maybe kids take longer than adults. I, I don't know. But then again, she is five, so I would hope she'd have her faculties about her. Uh, Daniel ends up just going to the women's bathroom. Nobody else is in there, so he locks the door, and he starts undressing. He's pretty much already got his Mrs., uh, his, um, interview outfit already mainly on, as he, it just, it's really fast. Just taking off the Mrs. Doubtfire outfit, the teeth, the earrings, all that stuff. So he goes into the handicap stall just before he leaves to put his bag and his purse in there. Like, let's hope that no handicapped people, like, use the stall, because they're going to find a... The purse has, I'm sure, nothing in it. Other than what's important to Mrs. Doubtfire. It's not like he's got Daniel's ID. Oh, yeah, he's going to load him up with some scotch. <laughs> like, get him loaded. I honestly feel, because a waiter comes over, like, are you ready to order? Sue's like, yes, we are. Children, go ahead. Miranda's like, wait, shouldn't we wait for Mrs. Doubtfire? And Sue's like, oh, yes, maybe we should. It's like, no, let the kids order, because they got to be starving at this point. You know once you order, you know it's going to take over 20-plus minutes or 30, depending to get everyone served. So it's not like she can't just order later on when she gets there, because that's not fair to the kids. It's 7 o'clock, it's probably like closer to 8 by now, and they're going to be eating dinner. I don't know who eats dinner that late at night. My dinner's at 5. That's my time. He is already getting drunk with this guy, just laughing, cutting up, having a good time. So, Lundy's kind of asking him, how do you want to help save the show, and... Bottom line, Daniel's like, don't patronize kids. Make it fun for them. If you're enjoying it, the kids are definitely going to enjoy it. So that's exactly what Lundy wants to hear. Of course, Daniel turns over, looks over his shoulder, sees Stu wondering, like, what happened to Mrs. Jotfire? Nobody's ordered yet. Like, uh, can you excuse me? I'll be right back. So now he's got to switch into the Mrs. Doubtfire role. Mind you, he's... A bit tipsy at this point. He's had umpteen scotches. Not to mention he was sucking down some wine or something at um, the table with Stu. So, and he's not had any water to kind of balance that out. But you know, that is not going to end well, clearly. So, the maitre d' helps Mrs. Doubtfire with the chair. Daniel sits on, like, lands on the chair, but then he bounces right off of it and lands on the floor. Because he's drunk. And, like, this is such a display for him to be drunk. It's one thing for Daniel to be drunk, but now Mrs. Doubtfire is coming off as drunk. That is not good. You just see Lydia and Chris exchange a look like, okay, what is going on with Dad here? Because this is not his normal behavior as Mrs. Doubtfire. They know what to expect as Mrs. Doubtfire. Even Miranda's, like, looking at Dan uh, Mrs. Doubtfire, like, what is going on here? Does she got low blood sugar we don't know about? Because apparently he gets the menu and has to flip it over, like, whoa, sorry about that. <laughs> being, he's being very, very loud also, and not just giggly. Oh, the teeth. The, his uh, Mrs. Doubtfire teeth are not all the way... And they're in his mouth, but they're not where they need to be. Because he says he'll have the poached salmon, but you can barely... Why would you... Jambalaya, isn't that already spicy? 
It's like, oh, make mine not spicy. I'm allergic to pe pepper. Why have jambalaya then? It's allergic to pepper. Daniel, of course, takes a sip of wine. And like I said, the dentures, if you want to, the, the false teeth that he's wearing for Mrs. Doubtfire go right into the glass. And it's like, whoopsie. The look at Sue's face when he looks and sees, like, her top teeth, like, floating in wine. He just got this, ugh, look on his face. Miranda's jaw is, like, on the floor, and Natty is just finding this so funny. Even Chris and Lydia can't help but try to stifle a giggle. <laughs> so, of course, Daniel has to make it sound like he doesn't have any top teeth, even though he does. Carpe dentum sees the teeth. <laughs> so they get the top teeth out of the wine glass. Daniel proceeds to shake off the wine of the dentures right into Stu's face. Gross. He got out of that makeup and everything very quickly. He goes in. You hear a little rustling. He comes out because, of course, this time he can't lock the door because there's already a patron in the bathroom. Daniel, get some water in ya, guy. He's, like, stumbling, like, hitting his leg on a, on a counter. Like, dude. Right, now he's got a limp to go with that drunken stagger. So he sits down with Lundy, Daniel does, and Lundy ordered him another scotch, which is the last thing he needs is to keep, like, putting alcohol into his body. He's got so much alcohol in his system right now. How is he not unconscious? <laughs> but Lundy notices as Daniel takes a sip that Daniel is wearing lipstick. Like, are you wearing lipstick? And Daniel's like, uh, yeah. And Lundy's like, why? So Daniel comes up with the server. Like, oh yeah, one of the servers. <laughs> Old girlfriend. Couldn't keep her hands off me, if you know what I mean. <laughs> so, Lundy's like, oh, see if she's got a friend for me. <laughs> oh, my God. That's <laughs> nuts. So, now they're not just talking about, like, the television show. Like, that's past. Now they're just having a friendly, you know, guy-to-guy -guy chat. But, ooh, some old girlfriend, huh? You old dog, you. She got a friend? <laughs> yeah, she's got a 60-year-old friend for you, buddy. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> no, and Lundy's like, hey, did your girlfriend have a girlfriend? And Daniel's like, hey, it's the 90s. So great, you're okay with lesbians, but the idea of a transgender just doesn't fly with people, apparently. And Lundy's like, no, I mean, does she have a lady friend for me? Yeah, go ask her. Like, okay, I'll go. And he leaves. Of course, now he's going to go back over to... Uh, the family, wondering, like, everyone's like, why does Mrs. Doubtfire keep disappearing constantly? So while Daniel's coming down to the bathroom, he hears about the order being the dinner for or, uh, table 39, which is where he's sitting with the family as Mrs. Doubtfire. So he also heard, um, Stu wanted no pepper on his jambalaya because he's allergic, like, probably very deathly allergic. So he's going to... He is going to go beyond what is, what a sane person, a sane person would not try to kill somebody. This is going too far. Making jokes about the guy having a small dick and, oh, 
um, Miranda's got, like, a vibrator, and, oh, she has crabs, so be careful when you get in there and every Oh, you gotta compete with a vibrator, with your small dick and everything. It's like, that's one thing to try to emasculate Stu, but it's another thing to fuck around with his food when you know that he's allergic. Because he doesn't know what type allergic means. Usually allergic could mean either it's light where maybe you just get a rash or something. But clearly this is a bigger allergic reaction where your throat can actually close up and you can start choking. Daniel already can't stand Stu. And think about it, he's drunk Daniel's drunk anyway, so this is probably, you know, coupled with the fact that he doesn't like Stu, and Daniel now being very drunk is a very not good combination. Everyone's so busy in that kitchen, they don't see Mrs. Doubtfire go in because she just puts on a white jacket. You know, if she put on a hat, that wouldn't be a bad thing, too. Definitely 100% mostly disguise her except for her face. Round cayenne pepper. Oh my gosh. Ugh. There's some other things here. There's ground turmeric. There's ground cumin seed. There's Hungarian paprika. Which I bet that's got to be really hot. There's whole white pepper. Which are like little seeds. Sit on that shrimp. Like, oh, Hot jambalaya. He's like, well, I've done my bit. I'm out. And no one is the wiser to this. Nobody was even looking in his direction. Like, who are you? What are you doing? Oh, no, he doesn't go back to sit with the family. He goes back, still dresses Mrs. Doubtfire. So also with him being drunk, his uh, brain's a little addled here. He sits down at... Lundy's table dresses Mrs. Doubtfire, and Lundy, of course, does not recognize Daniel. Like, can I help you? Daniel makes a joke about how he had to piss like a racehorse, because he's got so much alcohol in him. He's like, oh, sorry, I'm late. After all those scotches, I had to piss like a racehorse. It doesn't take uh, Lundy very long to realize, like, it's like, Daniel? And Daniel's like, yeah. And then he's like, oh, shit. And Lundy's like, why in God's name are you dressed like a woman? And that's when it clicks for Daniel. Well, Daniel, of course, he's got to think on the fly. He's done pretty well with that. It's not like he's going to be able to unload his entire story because this guy don't want to hear it. So he's like, oh, yeah, meet Juvenania Doubtfire, your new television host. She says, he says, I specialize in the education and entertainment of children. In the Mrs. Doubtfire voice. So it looks like their food has all arrived. Now we, we keep cutting back between Miranda, Stu, and the kids, and Lundy and Daniel. And Lundy wants to know why Daniel thinks Mrs. Doubtfire would be a good host for a television show. <laughs> I like Daniel, like, I'm a hip old granny who could hip-hop, bebop, dance till you drop, and yo-yo make a wicked cup of cocoa. <laughs> We see Stu take a bite of the shrimp with the paprika on it. Or, I'm sorry, not the paprika, the, um, oh my gosh, I've already forgotten what it was. Some hot, hot pepper, I'll tell you that right now. Whoo, wee! That stuff is not for the weak of heart. Right away, Stu is just, he's chewing and all of a sudden it's like, he realizes something is wrong, probably because his throat is starting to close up. 
and he starts like co- like choking coughing where it's like he can't get a breath Miranda starts like kind of whacking him on the back like maybe if I keep hitting like maybe it'll he'll cough it up and Miranda like is like he's choking oh my gosh he's choking somebody help me somebody help me. and you see Lydia and and Chris like stand up like there and imagine poor Natty she's five this has got to be freaking her out you see Daniel with Lundy look over and it's like, oh, fuck. It's like he didn't mean, he didn't expect that to happen. It's like you don't fuck with a person who's got allergies. You, you don't do that. Like you went too damn far, Daniel. It's one thing to talk about, you know, emasculating this guy because you don't like him interfering you know, in your in your kids' lives and everything like that. You don't. But... You could have killed this man. He could have been deathly allergic. Because he is choking. He can't breathe. So Daniel goes over there as Mrs. Doubtfire. Like, help is on the way. As he jumps over a table. Which he's got great reflexes for someone who's banging and shuffling around drunk. Moments ago, having umpteen scotches in his system. And it works. No one's like, why was Mrs. Doubtfire over there talking to another... <laughs> person when she should have been over here with us. So Daniel as Mrs. Doubtfire does the Heimlich and ends up falling back. Already knocked Mrs. Doubtfire's glasses off, but ends up falling backwards, taking Stu with her, landing on top of her. And he just coughs up this big round chunk of shrimp. Just lands on the table like it hasn't even been chewed. Of course, he helps up Stu. Stu's doing much better. And we got a big problem, guys. We got a big, big problem. And Daniel has no idea yet. Because he, when he, it doesn't hit him until the reactions of the kids and Miranda and Stu all look at him and just their jaws are on the floor. I mean, Chris and Lydia, know, But Natty and Miranda, and well, Stu, don't have a clue. They couldn't have. <laughs> and in the normal voice, you really shouldn't have done that, Daniel. Just Natty, just looking at her dad, just, Daddy? And at that point, Daniel takes the mask off and the wig and says, yeah, honey, it's me. 
And Miranda freaks the fuck out because you would if your husband was parading around as a different identity and then all of a sudden it's like, she's like, Daniel? Daniel? The whole time. The whole time? And she's like, I have to go. We have to go. Like, And, and she's like looking at Daniel like, don't touch me. Don't touch me. And even Stu's looking at Miranda like, whoa, this lady is, uh, I think she's more trouble than she's worth. In fact, he probably thinks this whole situation is more trouble than it's worth. Because this whole time, Miranda's ex-husband has been parading around as Mrs. Doubtfire. All those insults, too, that she was hurling at you, that was Daniel doing that shit the whole damn time. Mrs. Doubtfire didn't have a problem. It was Daniel who had the problem with you. Of course, she takes Natty and she just walks out of the restaurant. Miranda does. You see Lydia's like, I'm sorry, Dad. And it's like, sweetie, you have nothing to apologize for. Nothing. So she and Chris leave. Of course, Daniel apologizes for the pepper. Stu can't even look at him. He just shakes a hand and leaves. And the, all the patrons in that area are just looking. They watch this whole display, this whole thing play out. Daniel picks up the mask and the wig and just looks around and says, What are you looking at? Show's over. And you just hear that music cue kind of come in like, You know this is not going to end well. This is just... Oh, man. Like, Daniel, any other way, any other way. I mean, as fun as it was, it was like, fun in game time, this is, it's, it's, it's over now. This whole thing is over. Because now he has to face up. He's got to go to court now. Because didn't he kind of uh, go against what was laid out in the divorce plans as far as visitation goes? He would just get every Saturday. But now he's been parading around as Mrs. Doubtfire going undercover to be able to see his kids every day. That's not going to play lightly with a judge. I remember when I first saw this movie in the theater, I really, really hoped the judge would give leniency to Daniel. Yeah. two months, I've secured a residence, I've refurbished that residence and made it an environment fit for children. Those are your words. I'm also holding down a job as a shipping clerk, <laughs> so I, I believe I met your requirements. <laughs> In regards to my behavior, I can only plead insanity. Because ever since my children were born, the moment I looked at them, I was crazy about them. But I held them. I was hooked. I'm addicted to my children. I love them with all my heart. And the idea of someone telling me I can't be with them, I can't see them every day, it's like someone saying I, I can't have air. I can't live without air and I, I can't live without them. Listen, I would do anything. I just want to be with them. You know, I need that, sir. We have a history. 
mean everything to me, and they need me as much as I need them. So please, don't get my kids away from me. time he decided to be his own lawyer and it doesn't really help his case he is honest here and just saying you know i love my kids i need to be with them and someone's saying i can't be with my kids it's like i can't have air and he said as soon as i held them in my arms i was hooked he's like i'm addicted to my kids you know i need them and they need me and the guy is like oh this seems genuine and heartfelt but and I'm just thinking, this took place over two months. He was going to have three months to get a job, keep a job, and an apartment, and, you know, all that stuff. And he's like, well, I made it in, you know, under that amount of time. And everything. And the guy is more, con the, the judge is more concerned with the fact that for the last two months, Daniel has been dressing up like a woman, pretending to be a six-year, yeah, a six-year-old woman, and just not understanding why and just seeing like this is harmful behavior i'm not going to subject subject three innocent children to this type of harmful and unhealthy behavior and now he's like i'm awarding full custody to mrs hillard you're gonna have supervised visits now you're also gonna undergo treatment therapy and Miranda's just, like, shocked. It's like, I think in her eyes, she's like, I didn't want this. I just wanted... It's like, yeah, you didn't want this. And yes, he created a problem, but I, there were other ways. I'm sure there must have been. Or just tried to work it out until things could have been reevaluated in the course of three months. I know three months is... A, quite a bit of time if you're only getting one day a week with your kids but look now he's made it to the point where he can't see his kids at all except for when th they're supervised by probably mrs Selner. 
was like, good grief. This is in, this is some crazy shit because they're making the way the judge is wording this. He's making Daniel out to be a child molester or a pervert. Like I'm addicted to my kids. I'm hooked on them. I can't live without them. I can't be without them. I need to be in their lives. It's just it's like this guy, and he even says like you fooled a lot of people, and all I see from your heart, heartfelt and genuine speech is a great actor. It's like, ugh. my heart goes out to Daniel. I mean, if he hadn't done what he did, we wouldn't have a movie and everything. There were funny bits, and he was connecting with his kids, and he's kind of seeing things from Miranda's point of view as she was talking to Mrs. Doubtfire and everything like that, but it's like, great. Now you're kind of... Just, I want to hug Daniel. I just want to reach through the screen and give him a hug. Because this is... It's one thing to say, okay, you're not going to be able to see your kids. But to say that you, or you can see them, but you have to have someone there to watch you interact with your kids so you don't, like, touch them inappropriately. And that you have to undergo psych uh, psychiatric evaluation and testing and, and all this stuff. It's like, my gosh. So uh, apparently now Miranda's got to find another housekeeper. We get this one lady who's like, I don't do laundry. I don't do windows. I don't do carpets. I don't do bathtubs. I don't do toilets. And I don't do diapers. And Miranda's like, well, my children have not had the need for diapers in quite some time. It's like, well, my children have been potty trained for quite some time. You just see, um, you just see Natty looking at Chris. And the kids are looking at each other like, oh, boy. Even Miranda's like, I don't. What do you, what do you do then? You don't do any formal housekeeping. You don't watch children. What do you do? Sit on your ass and watch soap operas all day? Come on. Like, and she, the lady keeps continuing. Well, I don't do washing. I don't do basements. I don't do dinners. What? Then why the hell did you answer this ad? This is nuts. You don't do shit. You do nothing. And she doesn't do reading. So I guess Natty's out. This woman doesn't do a damn thing. She does nothing. Then you're not a housekeeper then, are you? Oh, you just get... Natty and Chris's reaction are like, oh, god. No, like, well, thank you for your time. Bye. I love how when the lady rounds a corner, Miranda turns, faces the kids, and, like, like, X that, no, cross that one out. We are not going with that person. So, yeah, they've gone through one, two, three, four, five, six different names. One, like, last name Holt. Jacqueline Shea, Kristen Ross, Eric Ross, Laura Morris, and Paul. This last lady was Paula Dupre. Are Kristen Ross and Eric Ross related? It's interesting that they were going to have a guy be a housekeeper. I mean, granted, this is, uh, you know, Mrs. Doubtfire. And I'm just thinking of, uh, oh, no, well, no, I'm thinking of um, Mr. Belvedere, yeah, from the 80s. And, uh, Tony from Who's the Boss? Oh, Charles in Charge. There's another one. So the kids are in the kitchen, shucking corn, and they're all talking about how much they miss Mrs. Doubtfire. Like, I miss her stories. I miss her, the way she made me laugh, her jokes. 
Lydia's like, I miss her spaghetti. Chris is like, I miss her jokes. And Natty's like, I miss her stories. And Miranda's like, well, don't worry, we'll find someone. And she's like, there are plenty of people out there. And the kids are like, well, nobody like her. So even Miranda's got to admit, you know, things were a lot nicer when she was around. But we gotta, like, realize she wasn't real. <laughs> Like, she might not have been real, but there she was there for all of you, and you all loved her. Although they are in for such a surprise when they hear Mrs. Doubtfire's voice coming from the living room. She's not there, but she's there. On the television! Yes! Children's show! Oh, it's so cute! Miranda, you are such a... Ugh. She, we had to stop referring to her as if she were a real person. Like, the kids get that. Let them have their memories. My God. You always got to be a sad sack about everything. You always got to be a Debbie Downer, Miranda. No wonder your kids like Daniel Mulder than you. She's not. Miranda isn't fun in any sense of the word. As soon as they hear, hello, my dears, we have a wonderful show today. The kids rush into the living room. Like, they think, like, she's gonna be there. But she's on the TV. So, yeah, they're gonna bring in some endangered species. And then we get the puppet, this gorilla, or not a gorilla, it's a, like a chimpanzee puppet with a hat and glasses. His name is Kovacs, or Kovacs. Oh! Kids, and even Miranda is loving this. It's a adorable children's show. So, yeah, this is just... I would watch the show. This is definitely like a take on Mr. Rogers. It's sweet. It's homey. It's like she's sitting in a nice comfy chair in a living room. You got the roaring fire going on. You got the puppet sidekick. It's just so great. And she's going to, says, well, tomorrow we're going to be going on a trip. But you don't need to pack your bags because we're going on a trip in our minds to England where I came from. And it's, oh, um... Mrs. Doubtfire does bring up uh, mobile phones, which we did, you know, see Miranda on earlier when she was taking those calls for um, the housekeeping positions and stuff that Daniel was impersonating. So why exactly is Miranda there to start shit with Daniel? Because he doesn't want to see her. That's awesome! Turns out they're number one in their time slot. That is awesome amazing that is so great for daniel the success of the show just wow who knew that he'd be able to play mrs doubtfire in a entirely different type of uh, situation so yeah he's getting uh lundy says he's getting calls from uh detroit cleveland chicago los angeles like yeah when a show is good, people are gonna watch. Now, mind you, this is before Netflix and us binging and, and everything. You'd have to turn tune in at a certain time, like we did in the '90s. We knew what time, like Full House, Home Improvement, Family Man, you know, all that. Those shows, Simpsons came on. We we're there. We drop everything, sit down in front of that TV, and we are about it. Which is kind of interesting because. Um, unless you had TV Guide, you didn't know what the episode was going to be about until you watched it. So it's like, your guess is as good as mine. I don't know what the Tanners are getting up to this week, but I'm ready for it. 
And apparently they got offers to syndicate, which, wow, great, great. Of course, Miranda, the sad sack, has to come and uh, put a damper on Daniel's enthusiasm. I couldn't help but <laughs> I couldn't help but get teared up at that scene. My heart goes out to Daniel so much and I know he's just a character. But I really feel for what he's going through. And the fact that he says to her, you took my children away from me. You didn't say anything in that courtroom as that judge passed that despicable sentence. Now, someone has to watch me with my kids. I have to be supervised. So if I go to hug them, she wonders why, like I'm some kind of deviant. And <laughs> But, of course, Miranda realizes that the kids and she were happier with Mr. with Mrs. Doubtfire, that she brought out the best in the kids. And even, Daniel says, yes, she even brought out the best in you. And 
She says, I don't want to hurt the kids. But they need you in their lives. It's like, yes, yes, yes. That's what he's been saying this whole time. That's why he did all of this. So, yeah, they're in for a surprise, the kids are, in the final scene. And you guys know, if you've listened to other reviews and stuff, you guys know that that I get emotional when it comes to things like this. I get really, I get really worked up. I love this movie, and I just, it just breaks my heart, you know, what happened to Robin Williams and everything like that. Oh, but I'm going to play this last scene, because it's so good. Should have just seen no more supervised visits, no more court leave. Thank goodness. Just us. <laughs> just us. the kids are watching the Mrs. Doubtfire program and Miranda calls them over and <laughs> oh before that uh before we get to the big reveal at the end <laughs> that guy that Bill Nye slash kind of character he's been reduced to, well not reduced to but <laughs> he's the mailman he's playing Mr. Sprinkles and of course <laughs> subtitles because he mispronounces her name and calls her Mrs. Doubtflyer. <laughs> oh, I don't think, I, I can't remember on my first viewing in the theater if I caught that if it's like, hey, they still had a role for uh, the uh, the old man. <laughs> he was able to, play, able to play the mailman. So that's pretty cool. They didn't can him completely. They just uh, reduced his role to a supporting role instead of a starring role. <laughs> So, yeah, Miranda calls the kids into the foyer and says, I have, I want you to meet the new babysitter. And the door opens, and it's Daniel! And Lydia's a little nervous, like, okay, what's going on here? Like, what about the uh, the court and the liaison and everything? 
And Miranda's like, well, I took care of that. It's like, you should have taken care of it in the beginning. Um, but, yeah, he's going to take the kids for an hour, a few hours after school every day, which is awesome, which is what he and the kids wanted originally. <laughs> so, yeah. And they go, the kids go up and get this, their stuff and everything. He's going to take them to school. And... He's actually kind of waiting on the doorstep, and she like, well, do you want to come in? You know, because it's not really his house anymore. And he's like, no, nah, I'll wait outside. And he says, you know, thank you. Because Natty's like, so just us? And Daniel, like, bends down and puts his arm, like, yeah, just us. And she hugs him, and it's like, oh, it's so sweet. And as the kids are getting ready to, you know, to leave and everything, um... Mr. Sprinkles, the mailman, had some mail, and one of the letters that he got was from a girl named Katie about uh, her parents about two months ago, her mom and dad decided to separate, and she's worried that she'll be loved less, and this is just so sweet, and this is kind of like a nice little button on the end of this movie, just like... The Hillards, they're going to be okay. Dan, uh, Daniel and Miranda are not going to get back together again. But that doesn't mean that they love each other, that they love their kids any less just because they got a divorce. Like, some people love the children that they created, but they f find out eventually over time that they just can't live together anymore. And that it's best for the child if the parents separate so there's not always that fighting and everything going on. That way it's better for the, the parents and for, well, sadly, in the long run for the child not to have the parents fighting and living together and, you know, angry all the time. Some parents, when they're angry, they get along much better when they don't live together. <coughs> they don't fight all the time, and they can become better people and much better mummies and daddies for you. And sometimes they get back together, and sometimes they don't, dear. And if they don't, don't blame yourself. Just because they don't love each other anymore doesn't mean that they don't love you. There are all sorts of different families, Katie. Some families have one mommy. Some families have one daddy or, or two families. Some children live with their uncle or aunt. Some live with their grandparents. Or some children live with foster parents. And some live in separate homes, <coughs> in separate neighborhoods, in different areas of the country. And they may not see each other days, weeks, months, even years at a time. There's love, dear. Those are the ties that bind. And you'll have a family in your heart forever. All my love to you, Poppet. You're going to be all right. Bye-bye. <laughs> 
So I thought this ending and the letter, like I said, it's just a nice little button on the end there to kind of sum up the movie. The girl Katie and her brother Andrew, her brother thinks they're not a real family anymore because their dad doesn't live with them. And I love how Daniel does great explaining this. He's not talking down to it. Katie at all. He's just giving her what he feels is the best explanation that is heartfelt and and hopeful. And just saying at the end, at the end, the last words like, "You're gonna be all right." And just like the family, the Hiller family, they're gonna be okay. It's been a period of adjustment, but now things are 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 working now, and they're in the transition of healing and everything. So, and another thing about um. Daniel with Katie's letter as he's saying there are all kinds of different families you know some have one mommy some have a daddy some live with their grandparents some live with aunts or uncles foster parents are in separate homes adopted I don't know if adoptive parents were even mentioned um like I said this is 93 we didn't have yet where they're like oh you know some kids live have two mommies or two daddies or we weren't there yet at that point. And it's just amazing how far we've come as a society. I mean, things are still hard, yes. But compared to 1993, leaps and bounds, leaps and bounds. So that's the movie, guys. I really... I loved covering this, and I just thought this was perfect to honor Father's Day. Father's everywhere. And also Robin Williams. I think this is one of my favorite movies of his, aside from, you know, Jumanji and Awakenings and just all of his, his other movies that I, I've seen with, with him and everything. I really think this was really, really good. So I hope you guys enjoyed the review. I always have fun covering these movies, and I'm just so happy that you guys take the time out of your day or days to listen to the podcasts. Um, if you want to leave a review, go to Looking Back on My Wonder Years and Wonder Years um, podcast on iTunes and leave a review. You can use emojis to describe your favorite you know, movie that I've covered, your favorite episode of The Wonder Years or Mr. Belvedere. Growing Pains, Small Wonder, Different Strokes, Full House, all of that. So, all right, everybody. Have a great Father's Day. Whether you're calling your dad up, whether you're spending the day with your dad, whether you're going to the cemetery to put some flowers or something on your dad's headstone. Just speaking of, I really, I think maybe... Um, I'm going to be heading out to uh, my dad's house just to see how things are progressing with it. And I think I might take, uh, it's supposed to be nice tomorrow, I think I might take the day and just also zip out to uh, see my dad at, at the cemetery. So, alright everybody, bye bye.